Sends it over to Edward Robles. Go and surname FC. is Hector Flores, host of the Insert Name FC podcast. And this episode is going to be uh, without Edward. Um, uh, Edward is feeling under the weather. Um, he actually lost his voice. So um, we actually asked uh, Jose Tejas of Gold CV if he could jump in and and cover the show with us. And he was all about it. So um, always great to have Jose, man. Um, obviously, the creator and founder of Goals TV. If you guys don't know what Goals TV is, it is a Hulu type service that is just nothing but soccer content here made in the US of A. So if you guys want to see the American perspective of the beautiful game, check out Goals TV, goals.tv, G-O-L-Z.tv. And you'll see everywhere you can find us there. You can find Musa, which Musa will be on this episode as well. He's going to, Help us recap the final of the African Cup of Nations. Amazing final, by the way. Um, so get ready for that. And we do have an interview with Alex Alcazaz of Into the Net FC. Uh, honestly, it was somebody that I was very much intru- uh, was trying to figure out how was I going to finally have an interview with him. Um, he, As a matter of fact, fun fact, he was the first person to ever uh, rate, <laughs> give a a review of insert name FC and it's like early, early years of, of insert name FC. So it was a, it was one of those that I definitely wanted to bring him in. He has a very interesting perspective of the game. And, and so I really wanted to bring him on and hopefully we can uh, bring him on for future episodes as well. Um, but yeah, so this episode we got overreactions headline uh, interview with Alex Alcazaz. Uh, we got African cup of nations recap. Uh, me and Jose will be recapping the Asian Cup final, give you guys our players of the week, give you some, game, some games to look forward to this coming weekend. And I'll wrap this show up because it is just me for the closing out segment. It is going to be my closing thoughts on a topic that I just want to talk about. And um, obviously this past weekend, the Super Bowl happened. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for being back-to-back uh, Super Bowl champions, defeating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. Um, and I'll I'll go ahead and say my piece on the Super Bowl um, for what it was. And um, and yeah, just another great uh, episode, I think. Um, obviously, you know, can't wait to get Edward back in full strength and and have you have uh, you and me, him and me talking about this beautiful game that we love so much. So without further ado, man, we're going to go ahead and take a break and then we'll go straight forward to overreactions hey guys this is hector from the insert name fc podcast here to tell you guys about candidates it is a great tasting superior alternative to traditional dip using cbd in a way that is radical enjoyable and effective it comes in five core flavors wintergreen 
mint, citrus, mango, and American spice. Canada Dip CBD is the new evolution in dip, allowing guys to enjoy great, long-lasting taste without the downsides. If you guys want to go ahead and try them out, use the code BELLYUP20 at CanadaDipCBD.com. Once again, BELLYUP20 at CanadaDipCBD.com, and you'll get yourself 20% off your purchase. Thank you again for Canadips for being a great partner of Belly Up Sports. All right, guys, Edward lost his voice, and he's feeling sick. Go figure. So we had to call in the sub, and we bring in the man behind Goal CV, Jose Tejas, man. It's uh, great to finally have you here for the new year. Um, how's it been? Bro, it's been good. It's been good. And just say it, man, I'm, I'm here because my ball knowledge is fucking immaculate. That's why I'm here. Um, no, man, it's been good. It's been crazy with Goal CV. Uh, I feel like, you know... Um, Dude, there's there's so much content that I've tuned into just this past like month and a half alone. And whether it's on our platform or just in general, right? Between Asian Cup, between AFCON, Prem Prem Action returning, La Liga is you know, always La Liga. There's always a little bit of interesting stuff between the refs and the and and, and uh you know the, the top four race in general. Dude, it's a it's a crazy time and, and all of that, right? We're recording on day where Champions League is officially back, the knockout rounds are being had. Next few weeks are going to be crazy, man. I'm I'm pumped for it. Yeah, we're excited. We already posted the Sydney Sweeney meme because um, <laughs> it's it's what's all. So obviously, Jose, you're you're a married man. Yeah. Do you have plans? Because obviously, we're recording on Tuesday. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Um, yeah. You got something planned, or do, or, or does she get it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what's crazy man i uh i don't you know what's, what's wild man I, I people think i i just make this excuse up but i really don't we've never been valentine's day people like it's just for a number of reasons bro you gotta like sometimes you want to go big you gotta make reservations take her out it, maybe the place you want to go to isn't really what you want I, i'll always get her flowers and like you know something cool as a present but I don't know. Maybe I'll cook tomorrow. We'll see. I don't really have any plans. It's also a Wednesday. Wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Wednesday, Wednesday. man. She, she and I both grind in terms of work. Uh, um, and then we got a little one who's sick right now, a little nine-month-old who's sick. So I don't know. It's going to be, like, difficult to be super romantic. But I, you, know, you know what really spells romance? Champions League. Yeah. Champions League, romantic as it possibly can get. I know she and I are going to watch some of that because we, we both work at home together. She used to kind of roll her eyes at some of the midweek matches, and now, you know, she's she's kind of into the drama a little bit. So, you know, that's definitely going to play into our Valentine's Day plans, 100%. All right, she gets it. Just get that, she that gets it. heart-shaped uh, Chick-fil-A <laughs> combo. <laughs> Bro, I, honestly, that would, that would actually give me brownie points, unlike most things. She loves Chick-fil-A, but who doesn't? I mean, who says no to Lord's Chicken? So, <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, the weekend has passed, man. Um, we always kick things off with overreactions. Do you have an overreaction from this past weekend? I do, I do, and like I, you know, I, I'm thinking about this a lot, man, because it, it, I was so happy this weekend, mostly, mostly, and for those who know me, you'll know why. But I was mostly happy with this weekend. I, I would say with Sunday's major thrashing of West Ham as an Arsenal fan, that was huge. I honestly was super nervous going into that game. But I'll tell you what, man, like. West Ham has not been in that great of form. I know we beat them 6-0. We got to see 16-year-olds come onto the pitch and do their thing. Can we please? I, I want to gripe just about the fan base a little bit. I, I, the overreaction, and this is kind of maybe flipping it on, on its head a little bit. I saw a ton of overreactions from that 6-0. The Arsenal fan base always tends to be coined as one of the more reactionary fan bases out there. I'll, I'll give us that. Why are we like like why are fans beating their chest? 
like we just won the Prem title. I don't know that again, that's been a, a huge point of conversation in broader Premier League football in general, right? After the Liverpool win, Arsenal fans going crazy like won the title. I understand that. You beat a true title contender convincingly. That's a big, big win. I I honestly wasn't going into any of my group chats talking shit. I wasn't, you know, like like posting anything on Twitter that was crazy. We should have beaten West Ham. We should have beaten them earlier in the year. I didn't think we'd win 6-0, but I'm also not beating my chest saying we're going to now, this is now going to propel us to go win the league. I think it's a very, very close race. I think we made up goal differential. But why Why does our fan base, and Hector, you know, man, why does our fan base put this kind of pressure on the boys? I don't, it was great seeing Declan Rice's goal. I think the fans, the West, seeing the West Ham fans walk out at ha- before halftime was awesome amazing i loved every minute of it they were kind of booing declan rice too there were so many reasons to get excited but no one should be screaming title shouts after a six nil thrashing of west Ham. i think we got a long way to go and honestly man like i i tried to be as quiet as possible after that win because i saw so much crazy talk on the timeline that it just felt like a massive overreaction so i i had to touch on it while i, I get a chance to, to be on insert name fc yeah man i think um and it's crazy because it's basically the same discussions were made last year when Arsenal was also in a similar position where their celebrations, even the pundits were were talking a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it, it's it's what me and Edward said, like when it's hard to tell people that have never been there to act like you've been there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, Arsenal, it's been it's been a good while before we've seen this team win something of significance as the Prem. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is a young generation and, and, you know, I always, I always also like add on, like, it's cause it's Arsenal that there's also that those people that criticize the team. Cause I don't see that same reaction towards any of the other, other big clubs, you know, it, it, it's only with Arsenal where they're like, it can't be done or unless your name's Vinicius Jr. That like, you get told <laughs> like not to celebrate. Um, and, um, and so for me, I think it's just that it's a young team and, you know, they're having a lot of fun, you know, winning is fun, uh, a six, no thrashing, um, which I was like, all right, this game's over. We don't need to be doing no more. And then, and then Declan Rice scores in that, that banger of a goal. I remember, as a matter of fact, I, I remember my mom reacted to, she was just like, whoa, <laughs> like, good God. <laughs> I know Mama Flora's got involved, man. That's 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 what I'm saying, bro. And look, and I will say, like, the other overreaction that we could probably talk about, too, is, like you just mentioned, like, Klopp could go scream at the fourth official, pull his hamstring while doing it, and, like, nobody says anything, right? Arteta gets a little, you know, wild on the sidelines after a big, again, a big 3-1 over Liverpool, and I've never seen the celebration police come out like this, except for maybe, like you said, when Vinny Jr., uh, you know, scores a goal and everybody wants to come out of the woodwork and and call him that guy, the agitator, right? Um, I, I just I just think everyone cherry picks, bro. I think United and Arsenal are the two most hated fan bases probably in, in England. And and I think no one there are plenty of sides and audiences in that in that league that just don't want to see those two teams win. Right. So when something does happen, you try to calm the fan base down. But equally I love that Arteta and the boys didn't show that much emotion when they beat West Ham it was like we're, we're clocking in we had a good day at the office now let's get ready for the next game you could tell when it was six nil the guy's just sitting there with his hands crossed and that's what it should have been I think it was, you know, equally the fans 
should have been that way as well. And again, it's not everybody. I don't want anybody to come after me and say like, hey, I don't know who you're following as far as Arsenal fans go. But for the most part, we were we were pretty even keel. There definitely were some with the more knowledgeable fans, right, that realized this is just a stepping stone and we got to keep building on this. But yeah, man, Arsenal and whether they did or did not celebrate over the last like week and a week and a half, that's been the talk of the town. And I just think people are, you know, are hypocritical or just a little overreactionary in general. But, you know, I'll take it. Arsenal's uh, still a massive talking point in the Premier League, and we're still very much in this title race, bros. So I, I'm here for it. I just want to calm some of those reactions down along the way. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, we know how last year ended, you know, so as long as I think as long as the team stays healthy and, and keeps keeps playing the way they've been playing, playing beautifully. I think Arsenal will be in a really good position to make a good statement at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, that's, it's also a fair point, man. Like at the end of the day, yeah, we, we haven't been here yet and we were close to it last year. Didn't work out the way we wanted it. And so, you know, there's still that, that humbleness that still needs to be there um, for sure. Hell yeah. Um, so my overreaction reaction is the streak is finally fucking over. Bayern Munich gets fucking shellacked by Bayer Leverkusen and and I know that there's still plenty of of game left. I believe the, uh, I believe Bar Leverkusen is like five points ahead of Bar Munich right now. So I mean, yep. there's still plenty. Anything can happen. I mean, if anything, look at what happened with Borussia Dortmund last year. Um, so it's possible. But and and everyone's also trying to blame it on Harry Kane, which is hilarious because you know fuck Tottenham. <laughs> um, but I think I saw the 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 chinks in the armor at Bayern Munich last season because it there was no compelling victories with Bayern Munich they're always yes they're always due for that one loss like what the fuck happened there but we saw a lot more of those losses last year I don't know what it is they're doing the same business as usual they're still buying players from the Bundesliga like they're doing all the things that they're normally good at um I'm not gonna take any jabs at Tuchel I I, I really do respect him as a manager uh Nagelsmann I don't really think he was that bad I think that maybe that was maybe a big issue is just the fact that they just we're easily quitting on coaches. Could yeah. be could be a flaw. Now you got the rumors that maybe Jose Mourinho is going to take the Bayern Munich mantle. That would be crazy. Which that that's just going to add more more to my enjoyable journey of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Like it's, but like you're seeing the chinks in the armor, and kind of similar to the Serie A when we started seeing that Juventus isn't as strong as they used to be. The competition was elevated. In Syria, now Syria, you could argue, is probably the second best league in Europe. Some may argue it's the best league right now in Europe. I'm not gonna go there, but you know, with the competition leveling up over there, it looks a lot more, a lot more appealing. Which, as someone that's loyal to La Liga, it's it's hurting my my case to say La Liga is the second best league. <laughs> but yeah. but like, but with that, you know, hopefully Borussia Dortmund with getting back Sebastian Haller, you know, could be a big boost for them, especially how he ended up, how he ended African Cup of Nations. Um, yeah. You know, Leipzig, uh, they got to find a way to keep Xavi Simmons. Um, but, you know, they're always, they're always in the fight. Um, and now with Leverkusen, Leverkusen, I don't know. I'm really uncertain about Leverkusen because of the fact that uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Xabi Alonso. Um, I know he says that he's happy at Bar Leverkusen, but we all know that's the kiss mm. of death for many coach. Um, if any coach ever says, yeah, I'm happy here. Yeah, that, that, that means they're gone. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm intrigued by, by Bayer Leverkusen, depending what they do with the manager there. 
because they do. Ha- they've always been a really good team. Beside that, they've always been really enjoyable to watch. Um, and so, as someone that does enjoy Bundesliga, and I don't have a team I support in the Bundesliga, so I could just watch it, watch it, just having fun with it. Um, it's yeah. a fun league, and I would love for it to be more competitive. I would love to see more than just one team winning. And um, yeah, I, and you know, now the rumors with Bayern Munich, you know. Alfonso Davies allegedly going around Madrid. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, some of these guys, they might be thinking about going elsewhere. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It feels like Bayern Munich, though they have money, seems like they don't at the same time. Like it, it's kind of a weird situation at Bayern Munich, but I think we're going to, the Bundesliga is about to have a shift. And um, it, it, as a unbiased fan, it's great. It's awesome to see yeah. it that way. Uh, but if you're a Bayern Munich fan, then I don't know. I, I mean, you're still going to be competitive. You're still be in Champions League and all that. I just don't think it's going to be one of the top teams in Europe anymore. Yeah. No, bro, I, I agree with you. And you know, it's not, it's not even an overreaction, in my opinion. I think uh, with – and maybe you you hold Tuchel in higher regard than I do. Um, I just think that there have been too many instances. So I don't – outright like fully support Dortmund but Dortmund is what I consider to be my Bundesliga team I remember Tuchel coaching Dortmund I remember thinking he was a very high potential manager um did a lot with a very young team at Dortmund back then before um he's made the several moves since then and and I I feel like he's just he's hasn't progressed the way that I thought he would um and and it's and I I hate to see him coaching Munich but at the same time I love to see Bayern um down five points from the top of the the table um and it somewhat be his fault and what i mean by that is really kind of being you know the man management side of things i think for whatever reason he can't get the best out of this team whether it's from a goal scoring perspective and you know him getting the harry you know the, the striker he wanted in harry kane and it not making as much of a difference as he wanted is a massive talking point um you mentioned before certain pieces may leave i think that's not just davies mathis delict who some for some reason i still have no idea why did not start in that leverkusen game there's got to be some bad blood there between him and tuchel or just something going on there that we're not aware of he will likely probably move on to summer as well and there's rumors of him going to manchester united or to uh you know other premier league clubs who are monitoring him that one's going to be interesting i hope arsenal's in that race as well um and and on, on top of all of this right Shabi Alonso, I'm, I'm sure Bayern are looking at Shabi Alonso, right? You talk mm-hmm. about, they, they did this with Nagelsmann. They brought him and Joshua Kimmich and, and a, a couple other players over from Leipzig before they finally let him go, which which I thought that was such a weird firing with the fact they let Nagelsmann go. Um, but I think the shift that you're talking about is it's going to take a new twist in the new season. I, I feel like Bayern haven't been the same since Hansi Flick, in my mm-hmm. opinion. They just haven't been the same. Like Hansi Flick... That that demolition of Barcelona eight to two, you know, when you when you hear some of the stats that came out of that game, right? Three of the first five goals, you know, were were scored within ten seconds of winning possession back, and that just shows you how hardworking Hansi Flick's teams really are. But now there's all these rumors that Hansi Flick is is supposed to be the front runner for the Barcelona job, and I think if he does get it right, he's going to find a way to entice players like maybe Joshua Kimmich to join Barcelona. Um, I know Bayern Munich are monitoring Araujo from Barcelona. I don't know, man. It, as much as it pains me, there could be some, you know, swap potential there probably. Uh, I think Bayern are going to, to undergo some transformation, either good or bad, over the next, like, two, maybe three seasons. And what does that do for a guy like Harry Kane? <laughs> Bro, this man may never win a trophy. I don't know, man. This is – it's wild to me that, you know, you could take 
the 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 boy out of Tottenham, but you can't take the Tottenham out of that man. I think it's 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 crazy that he he literally may go, again go trophy list. And if he goes trophy list with Bayern Munich in Germany, that man ain't never winning a trophy, man. He's never winning one. I I I'm fully convinced at this point. Yeah, man. I mean, hey PSG. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> He might need to. He y'all might, might need, need to, a striker. Yeah. And he just, at some point, you should know what it feels like to lift a, a, some some meaningful silverware. So it can't be the Audi Cup, you know, for the rest of your life, bro. There's no way. Yeah, the I mean, also there. that. And then they bring in uh, Dyer. They also brought mm-hmm. in Dyer in January. And Who got destroyed by Leverkusen. Yeah, I was like, that was, me and Edward to this day still have no idea how that, what that, what Bayern Munich saw on that guy. But um, we're like they have money right, to blow. Bring, I guess I don't know. Bring bring Harry Kane, his boy. <laughs> I guess I, I have no idea. I know they also try to get Trippier. That that fell apart. Um, now he's yep. he, now he's proud to be back in Newcastle. Um, so I mean, I don't know. It's bizarre, but yeah, Bayern Munich. It's it's a it's a bizarre situation. It's gonna be one intriguing situation, definitely going into next year of how this team is gonna look because. There's going to be a lot of changes. I think the Bundesliga is going to get a lot more competitive, and that is a good thing. Um, La Liga needs to step up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, but bro, look at this way, man. I will say this: like, I know I'm right there with you. La Liga, more more Americans especially need to tune into La Liga for a number of reasons, bro. Look at De La Torre playing for Celta, Johnny Cardoso playing for Real Betis, like, and, and they're balling by the way this season in a way that they haven't in recent seasons. Luca never scores. This man has two goals already, uh, two or three, and I, I think that it's just we're 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 at a point where I I just think La Liga isn't as talked about as, as some of the stuff that's going on in Serie A right now. The resurgence of Juve, Inter coming back in a big way, you know, M- Milan having Pulisic and getting all the branding play, like all of that's great. But I still think the fact that Girona is still you know second place in La Liga, doing something that we thought no other small team could ever do. Atletico getting upset by like 18th place Sevilla this past weekend, massive. Barcelona dropping points to Granada at home, which I, I won't really call it home, but like it's 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 there are storylines I think just aren't really talked about, and maybe La Liga isn't marketed in the same way because for whatever reason, the two Americans that that are playing over there um, aren't like giant names, so American you know Americans may not be following them, but. Bro, I, I still think La Liga is better than Serie yeah. Might, might be a hot take. I don't really know. I, st- I And maybe it's biased. Maybe there's an agenda. I don't know. But I still think La Liga is, is up there. Serie A is catching up 100%. But I still think La Liga has, as long as they have Real Madrid and Barcelona, it's going to be tough to dethrone them. Those are, those are two of the best teams in the world. Even with Barcelona playing as poorly as they are right now, I, you can't argue the, the, the superstars they have on that team. So, I don't know, man. I, personal bias, hot take maybe. I don't know. But I still think Serie A is trailing just a little bit behind. Oh, I, I I agree with you a hundred percent. I I'm I'm always gonna. It's funny because everyone keeps at, like I remember when you meet people that are like footy fans. You know when you cross paths with people like that, and I remember everyone's like, "Oh, you know Hector likes soccer," and like, "Oh, really? What's your favorite league?" And I was like, "No, what what I think is the best league." That was the question, and I was like, "Look, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this. With, I'm gonna answer this by starting with this statement. I am biased to La Liga, and this guy who just." Blew his gasket, was just like, what, you're going to sit here and try to tell me La Liga's better? I was like, no, no, no. I know the Premier League's the best league in the world. But I'm biased to La Liga. I am always going to prefer watching La Liga over the Premier League. Like, if I'm going – I will more likely watch a a Real Madrid match before 
the morning prem match. You know, just that that's what I was saying. My thought process is like that's where I rate La Liga a little bit more. I love the quality of play. I, I think Spanish football is, is what really influenced me on La Liga. So that's the only re- that's my bias. I always explain to people, but I do understand the English Premier League is the best league. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting, right? I, I actually I, I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly. I think I think the Premier League is actually in a place where like the Bundesliga was like uh let's say maybe a half decade ago, maybe maybe slightly less than like like four or five years ago, only because like I think the Prem the Prem's the most entertaining league in the world, right? But if you actually like b- break it down to like what makes leagues competitive, um I still think defending is a massive part of that. And to me, there's still way too much openness in the Premier League for it to be the most competitive or the actual best league in the world. Like, yes, it's the most watched, but that doesn't mean it's technically the mm-hmm. best or that it's, you know, skill-wise the best, right? I, like I said, I've I've never seen more open games than in the Premier League. More transitions, more more goals given up. You know, these 5-0 score lines, 6-0 score lines. Like, this was the Bundesliga half a decade ago. And I feel like we're seeing better defending in other leagues outside of the Premier League. So, I think maybe it is the best, but it's not as by big of a margin as most fans think it is. They just enjoy watching it, and they know that it's the most watched league out there. Mm-hmm. So, they're like they're so quick to say, yep, that's the best league. And, and look, I will say, yeah, they had the quadruple winner in Manchester City. You know, or, or the trouble winner. I'm sorry, in, in, in Manchester City. And that's uh, take away City, and, and or even take away the let's say the top two, maybe three teams in the Premier League. What do they really have, right? I think it's so top heavy. Um, mm. And you see, you know, a team that has spent billions uh, on on their roster, like Chelsea, and they're a middle of the table side. It's just one of those th- those leagues where it's just like. I don't know. Um, you know, you have to wonder how good that team would be in other leagues, right? Um, I don't know. I, I've seen some very, very good football being played in leagues outside of, of the Premier League. And, you know, if, if the Prem fans want to come after me, by all means, go for it, bro. But I, I think that there's – it may be the best league, but it's not by a huge margin. Yeah, I agree. But, all right, those, that's the overreactions. And we'll go straight to the only headline that we have. And we're going to finally talk about this – World tour because that's basically what that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah. for Inter Miami. Um, I, I'm gonna start it with this to all the people that were criticizing Inter Miami for even attempting this world tour, which I've, I, I'll, I'll definitely expl- feel tell you how I feel about the end, res- the end product of it. But like, you're gonna hate on Inter Miami for doing this, but but then not be phased when we have the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. Like, I, I mean, you know other the big clubs do this too like no you know like they don't have to come to to the to the u.s they don't have to do the u.s tours like they could just be in spain and have like a preseason match with you know like ramajica could play castilla for before they start their season um and i mean you can even look at the mls teams like they're you know not many mls teams leave you know their home their home base for their preseason you know they'll either play like a local university or a, a usl team yep I mean, Houston Dynamo uh, were in Mexico, you know, playing against Chivas, and I I believe Tecos, Tecos was another team, but they're you know yeah. in Mexico obviously because I judge it, but but I'm just saying like preseason tours are done for a reason, and I mean yes, it's it's because of money, it's hundred percent because of money. You have you have Lionel Messi, like that's the 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 whole reason why you, they did the World Tour. So I'm not 
So I'm not going to be over here saying that what Inter Miami did was wrong because they're doing exactly what any other top class league club would do. If Manchester United did this, no one would bat an eye. But because Inter Miami was doing this, now it's, oh my God, they're evil. They're all they care about is money. Everybody, that's all everybody nah. cares about is money. <laughs> that's all everybody yeah, bro, cares I look, about. I- and and before you get to the results individually, I'll say that just to pick back on what you said, bro, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's like for those who are complaining, I've seen so many videos about this. For those who are complaining, just say you don't understand how businesses work. Just say it like you don't get it. And that's totally OK. You don't understand. But how think about all the money Major League Soccer and Apple TV are pouring into making into just bringing Messi to the States, right? If you're going to do that, if you're going to invest that much into that type of move, I am led to believe as a fan and as someone who just understands that side of the business that you're going to make and create every opportunity to to recoup as much of that investment as you possibly can, right? And how do you do that? Well, there's the messy tour here in the States during the regular season, right? You're going to charge as much as possible per game to every away match that he goes to and your home matches included. But on top of that, for the same reason that Hector just kind of stated with Premier League teams coming overseas to, here to the States in the summer to do their preseasons. It's a branding play. A- Apple TV shows these Major League Soccer matches to anyone in the world who has Apple TV, right? Anybody who's got an iPhone gets a notification on their phone saying that there's a, a game on right now for you to tune into. How great would it be if when they get that notification, they know who the hell those teams are, right? They know who it is, and therefore they're a little bit incentivized to actually watch and that's what grows the visibility of the league it is no different than any other preseason tour in the history of time it's a branding play it's a revenue play but more importantly it's it's so that when Messi leaves right when he leaves mls in two years three years whatever it's going to be there needs to be something that we gain from all, all of this that we gain from all of the the money that was spent and all the time that was spent to bring him and you know his friends right 2015 barcelona to enter miami and to major league soccer so well, let's just stop complaining because all it looks like is that you don't understand how the business side of soccer works it's not evil it's not any other kind of negative term it's just businesses protecting their business that's what these guys do and they need to make money they need to find a way to grow the the profile of the league this is probably the only way to do it realistically in a preseason so anyway just want to get that off my chest no you're right but then there's also other benefits to the preseason which obviously if you're if you're doing your preseason in your home base like let's say fc dallas i don't know if they necessarily win anywhere for their for their preseason but say they stayed in in dallas so mm-hmm. what they go play against UNT or whatever local male men's soccer college soccer team is there maybe play a game against I think Oklahoma has a has a soccer team too Oklahoma, yeah the Oklahoma City Energy yeah and they also have North Texas SC as our next pro team that we could probably play against too like there's we, we, we've done that you know so and so like the thing is one obviously get them in, in shape you're not playing a whole game you're maybe playing like one half maybe and so you're not in the, so it's one get yourself back in game shape because that's a big difference and then two, I think what the the aspect of traveling somewhere else is you're building camaraderie. You're gonna get you're gonna get new faces on your team. And I think when you have new faces and you're you're doing a, a your preseason in your home base, what are players doing after training? What are they doing after games? They're going back home. Like maybe some of them are hanging out with their teammates, depending on what their situation is. But most of the time, what the the beauty of that of that preseason tour is you're staying in the hotel rooms, you're doing team team events, team activities, 
So you're building a camaraderie, building a locker room there. Um, yep. Maybe could uh, maybe because some could argue that was probably a good reason for some of the success the Dynamo had last year was because they went to Mexico and they were building a cohesion together. So there's a lot of perks also to the preseason tour. Um, you're adding Luis Suarez. You're adding new players that were going into Inter Miami. So why not have them build some cohesion by doing this world tour as well? Yeah, I agree. And the last point I'll make to this this tour is that um, the other the other argument that a lot of fans had, I think, on the timeline was that this is not it's not a good look for MLS if we go to some of these other teams and and lose, right? Well, by that logic, right? What happens when uh, a European team comes here in the summer and gets beat by MLS All Stars or or someone else? How does it look for them? Nobody cares because they realistically understand it's preseason. Nobody cares. The only ones that care in, in terms of this inter, these Inter-Miami results, right? They haven't been that great, you know, uh, and, and there's a couple of them that really haven't been that great, but it's realistic expectations. We understand as fans, at least the knowledgeable ones know, right? The ones that aren't overreactionary know that this is preseason. They're getting their legs under them and they're coming up against sides who are in the middle of their season. They are in form. They've been playing competitive matches for months now. Why, why would we... In what world could you realistically come to the conclusion that, based on what I just said, that we should be taking these results for face value? It doesn't make sense, man. Like, let's please be realistic and understand that this is kind of what's necessary. And like Hector already mentioned, there are teams all over the league that are doing this. With my team specifically in Dallas, they went to Spain. They went to Spain for two of their preseason games, right? Uh, and they're coming back and doing one against DC United here at home this coming Saturday. That's pretty much it, you know? Um, everyone, I, I saw a ton of teams that were traveling abroad to do some t- team building, but to get some reps against better competition while they're in their season to get our legs under us before the season opener. So I, I'm all about it, man. I love that MLS is doing this. I'm kind of glad that we're moving past the days where we would just play against the our, our local university, our local USL side. Nothing wrong with that. I, I love some of those local tests, but to me, this it, it, it actually raises the profile of the league, makes it more visible. I think 2024 is going to be a banger season. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, obviously, the, 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 the tour, this month-long tour, which will be concluded on Thursday, um, mm-hmm. in the span of the month, they, they had seven friendlies. Um, I'm also going to take this time to once again defend El Salvador because a lot of people kept bashing as to why they would go to El Salvador of all places. Um, Bukele, yeah. which congrats on his second term, um, five more years of that man. But uh, he's cleaned up the country. And, I mean, why not showcase how, how far El Salvador has gone than hosting uh, an icon like Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez and all of them. Also, it was it was really just awesome for me to see uh, – uh, Mahigo Gonzalez dab up with with Lionel Messi and Messi actually knowing who he was so that, <laughs> was, to yeah. me, that, that to me was a win and it was funny because when I saw that I was like there is so much cocaine in that picture and that's only from <laughs> one man <laughs> so I love yeah, you Mahigo. Man. I love you Mahigo never change <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it was cool man I, I, I didn't really catch I, I think I caught a little bit part of that game I, I was I think a lot of fans were confused as to why they were playing El Salvador but um, but it was just cool to see you know an MLS side up against a national team yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. It was a nil-nil draw, um, which, I mean, obviously, the first preseason game, they're going to – they look slow. Also, Messi experienced CONCACAF, um, so it, it was bound to happen. Got so he got CONCACAF yeah. like there Definitely was no tomorrow. Was. 
<laughs> he was getting triple agreed, teamed, bro. Agreed. Bold statement on yeah. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. You can't go down. Everyone thinks it's so easy, right? And that's why I think, like, like you know. And then again, I'm not gonna go off on a tangent, but it's not, bro. It's so easy to get cap by some of these countries when you go down there in those environments and try to pull out a win. It's not as easy as it looks. It's really not. Yeah. And then they come back to back to the U.S., but they go to Dallas, Texas, in the Cotton Bowl to take on FC Dallas, which was a one nil victory for your boys. Um, yep. A lot of academy players, I believe, was all was also featured in the I mean, it's preseason, so we're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of players being played in these games. But so yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, some people were complaining that it wasn't necessarily packed, but I mean, it was also like in the middle of the week, um, and we're also At talking 5 about p.m. Is Dallas, week, Texas? <laughs> five, yeah, five p.m. It is Dallas, but it, like I think it's important. Like context is super important. So it's a ninety, it's a ninety, almost a hundred thousand seater stadium. It's in the middle of the week on a Monday at five p.m. Right, so not seven, but five p.m. Uh, which means that if you're at work and you leave work at five, you're getting there by maybe half time with traffic and all of that. Um, so there's there's that, and then it was raining. It was like. 35 40 degrees it was cold there's no cover at the cotton bowl and even with that i think it still turned out like 30k plus which i was seeing fans on the timeline like austin fc fans for example like oh man you guys should have came to the q2 even on a monday at five we would have packed that thing out i was like bro you could have packed that thing out you still wouldn't have had as many people as as what we had at the, at the cotton bowl right mm-hmm. the, the, what is it 19 20k at the q2 like mm-hmm. like brother you you want to host the goat you got to get a bigger stadium like that's that's how that shit works like i, I don't know man it's, it's a lot of complaining about it but at the end of the day it's still a pretty decent turnout considering all the context that i just mentioned but it was it was great to see ferrera score on into miami bro that was uh the pirate of the caribbean himself did it in the first five minutes it was first shot of the game it was awesome yeah so and once again, it's preseason. Um, then they go to they go to Saudi Arabia, take on Al Hilal, which is honestly one of the top teams. Yeah. Um, also, if you look at that roster, you're just like, good God. Um, it could have been Neymar, bro. It could have been Neymar. Could have been Neymar. I think that was the plan initially. Obviously. Yeah. Before he got hurt. Yeah. So Al Hilal, they end up losing to them four three. Um, you know, it it could have been a lot worse. I, I will say that. It, you know. Once again, this is also one of the better teams in uh in Saudi Arabia. Um and uh I mean it was it was competitive. Um that those that stadium was definitely packed. Um, you know, but I think I think obviously when th- this is for, for a lot of people in Saudi Arabia, this would be like a once in a lifetime opportunity to see Messi on the field and they took very much advantage of it. Um but yeah, they lost four three to all hell off. And then it was the Al Nassar game, which it was a six-nil oh, shellacking. Messi came in the second half, which gave me the ultimate all-time clip of my lifetime, which was uh, the guy on the in the stands, like just reminding Messi what the score is. Uh, so I was just like, "Hey, hey man, dude, be proud, be proud. I don't care if it's a preseason." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Messi's unfortunately, uh, as a Barca fan myself, Messi has taken bigger L's. Unfortunately, um, w- w- but with that said, like I will say this for, for all the CR7 stands out there, um, I remember a very specific competitive match where Cristiano Ronaldo, um, you know, basically refused to come into the game uh, when when United were down two nil. They were down. I, I don't know what score. If it was six nil when he decided to, to to actually come in, but. Um, he, he didn't refuse to play, right? Uh, someone as big as Messi as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Um, no situations really, you know, beneath him. And 
he still, you know, his team needed him and he he didn't complain, got out there, did his thing. Respect, bro. I think um, there's a, a, a humbleness to, to Messi's character that can't really be found anywhere else. So even despite losing 6-0 in a preseason game, as much as everyone wants to give him flack for that, I tip the hat. Yeah, exactly. Um, then they go to Hong Kong. They beat them 4-1. Um, this one caused a little bit of a of an uproar because Messi did not play in the game. Um, and I believe this was like Hong Kong's best 11. So I'm guessing a national team. Um, I'm not very fully aware of the politics behind Hong Kong and China, but uh, I'm, that's at least that's what I'm guessing. But a lot of people were very, very frustrated that Messi was not on, was not playing. It was big. It was like a lot of drama, actually. They, uh, I forgot what they canceled as a result of it. Um, they canceled some event uh, because of it, because they, they took it as basically like a uh, as a personal jab that Messi didn't, you know, appear in the Hong Kong match. But um, basically when he went to Japan, uh, which we'll talk about next, uh, he did make an appearance uh, despite still nursing some kind of injury. So, yeah, man, it was in that part of the world in the Eastern Seaboard. It was uh, it was it was pretty dramatic. Yeah. And then they go up against uh, Andres Iniesta's former team, uh, Vissel Kobe, um, obviously because it's, it's Iniesta, though. I think Iniesta now plays in um, somewhere in, in the Middle East. I don't, I don't know what's the name of the team. I remember it's a really funny name, though. Uh, <laughs> but, but beside that, they, 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 go, they end up losing in penalties, 4-3, um, which I was like, that's – I think maybe just Inter-Miami wanted to play pens, wanted to go to pens, so that way they – have some practice in there. And obviously the last yeah. game will be against Messi's boyhood club, Newell's old boys. Um, that's going to be played on Thursday back here in the United States. And um, yeah, I mean, aside, aside from obviously the results, which obviously it's preseason, no one cares, but um, the big loss is obviously Benjamin Cromachi. He's going to be out. Uh, I don't know for how long, but he did get an injury. Uh, I believe in the first game um, actually. Yeah. So that, I know there were some injuries that happened. Obviously Messi, got banged up a little bit, uh, which is not what you want. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what happens in preseason. Injuries happen. Injuries happen in general anywhere. I mean, Guiones went and, you know, uh, was representing his national team in in pre-Olympic qualifiers. And, you know, he's going to be out for a good – he's going to be out this season because of it. But, you know, so, like, it it happens in general. I don't think – injuries are going to happen, like, regardless if you play a preseason game or a competitive game. Um, It doesn't change anything. I think the big one was Farias. Um, that injury oh, was yeah. massive. I, I think. I think you know with Farias, it was like he was getting sh- like European shouts already as a 22 year old, and um, I think this was going to be a big breakout season for him with Messi before he got a chance to make to make that move. And now it's like I don't know if it was if it was specifically a torn ACL, but it is it is a season ending injury, and it's it's tough, man, because he's young. You know, you, you see so much untapped potential from his side. They did make a signing very very recently to kind of backfill that a little bit i think his name was redondo or something along those lines mm-hmm. another argentine which makes perfect sense considering it's messy um and he'll probably f- you know fulfill some boyhood dream of getting to play alongside his idol but yeah man it- injuries suck i don't know how like i don't know how avoidable it, w- it was with how crazy this preseason tour was for Inter miami but they're gonna have to find a way to make do yeah exactly um I, yeah because far I, I do i do agree about far as his potential it was basically uh well, basically Ezekiel Barco vibes when he went to Atlanta United, how they viewed uh, yes. Farias. So hopefully, yeah, I, hopefully a little bit better than than how Barco ended, but but definitely for sure. And um, obviously after that, 
21st, they're kicking uh they're gonna be kicking off the MLS season against Real Salt Lake. Um I, I think at the end of it all, man, like it goes back to like this is preseason, it's for them to get ready uh for the upcoming season. Bill camaraderie in that locker room, you know, this this and it's something that that team needs a lot of because you know, look where they were last year. Um, you're gonna have yep. a full hopefully a full season with Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets and um Luis Suarez is probably gonna be wrapped up in ice like like every NBA player that I could think of because I don't I don't know how he's gonna survive this season. Um I, I, I thought that last year and then he still scored I don't know for how, how many for Gremio. It was like the guy had almost like 50 plus goal contributions. So it's like uh, maybe they're just able to inject him every week and he can just keep going. But bro, at some point he's not gonna be able to walk anymore. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So I'm 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 hoping that he'll be fine, but but yeah, uh, anything you want to say uh, to wrap up this Inner Miami World Tour? Um, no, other than the fact that I'm glad the complaining will stop. I feel like uh, MLS fans just need something to complain about, and so this was kind of it for the preseason. Um, you know, like I said before, it's it's preseason. It was cool to see MLS get some, um, you know, international profiling and brand awareness as part of all of this. So. No, I mean, I'm just pumped for the season and ready ready for it to start. And not just as a Dallas fan, but as an MLS fan in general. I think, you know, um, Super Bowl's behind us. We can now jump into some real football. I'm I'm excited, bro. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and segment over to my interview with Alex Alcazaz of Into the Net FC. And then you'll hear me and Musa recap the AFCON final. And then you'll hear me and Jose once again to recap the Asian Cup final. So. Stay tuned for that. Enjoy that. All right, guys, we have an interview with a special guest. Actually, I got to mention, uh, this was actually the first person to actually review Insert Name FC uh, back in Apple, like early, early days of Insert Name FC, uh, host of Into the Net, uh, the Texas Bear. Um, so that I already got good uh, brownie points for me because I'm from Texas as well. Um, Alex Alcazaz, uh, thank you for joining us. I know you do more than just soccer content, but obviously this is a soccer podcast. But welcome to have you here. Well, thank you, thank you so much. And I prefer to call it football. All right, uh, because that that I mean, let's be honest that that's what it is. It's football. <laughs> uh, I 100% agree. Uh, but also don't really care what people call it. But that's all great, man. Um, but first question we always ask everybody that comes onto the show is. Why football? What was it about football that really got you into this game? Well, I was, a lot of people don't know I was actually born in France. And I lived I lived in France until I was about four. So around 1995, of course, football being the most popular sport in France, aside from rugby and basketball, a little bit of hockey, you know, football was the sport to watch. So so that was it. All right. Growing up in, in France, um, I actually saw, like, uh, in one of your previous videos that you're Syrian, correct? I'm of Syrian descent. I'm of Syrian descent, yeah. So, France, Syrian. Uh, I don't think soccer is necessarily – football is the, the main sport in Syria. It might be cricket, but I could be wrong on that one as well. No, but, it's football. It's football? Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, They're doing pretty – they're doing uh, above expectations right now in the Asian Cup, correct? Well, unfortunately, today they lost to Iran in, in a penalty shootout. Oh man, that, that's when all when the distance though, so that's not that bad. It's unfortunate, but, but yeah. So you you went into football, and uh, so when when did you move to here in the United States? Well, I moved to the United States when I was four, and that was in 1997. 
right before France won the World Cup for the first time. Oh, okay. You know, right before, you know, Zidane and company became champions of the world. Yeah. It was uh, a great I, moment. Yeah, I won five bucks for my dad. That was the first time I ever bet. Um, <laughs> so so it's also uh, very fond memories on that one for me. Um, so growing up in, this, in the United States, uh, you – what was it that got you into the whole journalist journalism side when, when you became a writer? Well, when I was in fourth grade, I, I apparently discovered that I had a very, very unique talent of storytelling, especially with like fiction, like, you know, making up stories, things like that. But as time went on, I, I apparently my, I, I grew more and more and more into writing and then more and more into talking, specifically in sports. So I figured that's the life for me. And I knew from the beginning, it's not an easy life. And obviously, this life has gotten more and more difficult year by year by year by year. And it's a process that only continues and continues to be very, very stressful for me. No, yeah, definitely. I, I you know, you're competing with everyone's, you know, everyone's got a podcast. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. Everybody's yeah. writing. So, yeah. and now there's so many avenues to write, you know. It wasn't just writing an article for ESPN. Now you had, I think it's more so because of Bleacher Report. I think definitely was where it really started it out. Now you have all these other conglomerates that you can write for. Like um, the Athletic, you know, Barstool. Mm-hmm. Or there's, there's Gold.com as well. Yep. Also, I should probably mention Belly Up Sports just because that's that's who, am I, who I'm affiliated with. But, right. But that's not here or there. Um, so, yeah, interesting enough. So, uh, the, the Texas Bear, your, your, your YouTube channel, um, where, where did that – you went from writing to now wanting to do video. Where, where did that connection come from? Well, the writing, I, I still, I still do the writing. I just wanted to add the podcasting and the videoing. I wanted to incorporate it into, into that just because I wanted, I wanted to do what I love to do, but I, I want to do it on my terms, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the way to make it. Now you got to do it your, your way because those other media conglomerates are not going to let you do that because once you sign with them, you get hired by them, you, you're their property. And they're legally allowed to tell you what to do, what to say, yada yada yada. And I'm not that kind of man. Okay, so you 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 enjoy the freelancer. I enjoy the freelancer because I enjoy telling the truth. I do not hold back. Like personally, I don't care if I offend somebody, especially if I if I'm very very critical of a club. Because if being honest hurts people, well, then again, the truth hurts. No, that's that's clear as day of the reality um so obviously football writing what are like the the challenges for you when it comes to writing specifically for football well the biggest challenge of them all is getting your name out there mm-hmm. see i currently write for third down thursdays as well as the playmakers blog and at third down thursdays we are making great progress and we're still work and we're and we're working on getting our name out there deeper and deeper and deeper and we are making progress same thing with the playmakers blog but, you know, I feel like the sport of football is definitely not covered enough. And I feel like the more it can be covered, you know, the better chance we get recognized overseas. Because let's be honest, American football overseas, most of the countries really don't give it, really don't even give a damn. To be honest with you, I feel like that they, they feel offended that we call that we call our national sport here football. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a long story when it comes to, to the origin of that of that name. Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those I I get I hear it all the time. Not even I wouldn't even say specifically European. Like even, you know, me being from my family's from El Salvador, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean for them they don't 
they think, and it's, you know, El Salvador, the, the the football over there maybe is not at the same level as as here in the U.S. is, but they still, obviously, it's a it's a football nation. It's a nation that football is the main sport. I would say beach football is probably the more specific one because they're actually really good at that. But there's still that whole oh Americans don't really respect that. You know, whenever I whenever I talk to them, obviously in Spanish it's football, which I mean so yeah football, football yeah. And, and El Salvador so, actually they've been to the World Cup uh, twice. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. I think the last time they did was in '82. Yeah, yeah. They've been, a, I think that the other time was in 1970. Yeah, it was. It was definitely the glory years of Mahiko. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I get all those things, especially when I tell someone that yeah, I like football, and then like they they always do the throwing arm motion to me, like oh, this football. I'm like, no, 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 football, fo- like soccer. Um, it's, it's a it, it's like kind of the same thing. I think it's all outside the U.S. Just no one, no one truly understands like the the amount of attention that the game does get here in the U.S. because it's grown, it's definitely grown. I I could definitely say that from earlier years, the game has. Um, I think the MLS has has slightly improved, and obviously now with Messi mania being a thing, um, I'm sure that's going to be more eyes on it. But for you as a writer, when you're trying to find these stories that you're wanting to tell, uh, what is what is essentially your process? My process is just to talk the sport. In a very passionate way, but in also also in a very honest and professional way. Well, honestly, to keep it as professional as possible. I mean, there are times. I mean, I've done some burying, you know, but sometimes it's justified. No, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, the to be honest, like I mean, if you look at any other sport, criticism is is gonna is a is a big thing, and when it comes to media, you know, if a coach isn't doing well, they criticize the coach because that's his job to make sure that. That the, that the game is being played right, um, and then you know players get criticized for for all those things. So I don't I don't think I think the the fact that you have to be critical or you know bearing at sometimes when it comes to 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 the game itself it's it goes with it. And I think that could just be anything what, as a journalist because you have to speak the truth and you can't sugarcoat it unless they're paying you a hefty fee. But but for but for you, like like I said, when when you look for a story, like what is it that entices you specifically of a story that you that that you want to write about? It's basically like what we saw in the game that you know that was basically the difference makers. And sometimes you see how the talent plays, the formations, like the streaks and everything. Like it's basically the environment and the surroundings of what the what the clubs are basically are in. Hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, I I like that part. So. Do, do any of your articles that you write do you do you tra- do you make a video version of them or or is there they're not really a connection with the, with the two well there's definitely connections like basically like i'll write articles just the same way i do my podcasts okay um and then then let's talk about your podcast into the bear into well, the net no. In, into, into the, the net, net fc into, into the net fc i apologize yeah. uh into you're the you're the texas bear into the, the, the net bear FC. of texas but you know the bear of texas oh, yeah so into the net FC, uh, were you already doing podcasting beforehand, or did you, or was this kind of like your your personal baby? It's a personal baby, and I started this four years ago. You know, right before you know the crap hit the fan with the you know what, you know that's when I decided that you know that if if I'm going to continue my career as a journalist, the only way to do it now is to go on my own because those outlets just don't want to give me the chance. So I'm like, fine, then I'm going to do something about it. So. So basically, I, I spent several days trying to come up with a name. Once I did, I tried coming up with a logo. 
and that was it. Got my got my mic, got everything, and that was it. At first, I was horrible. I spoke too fast. Was not using a podcast mic. I was using a headset mic. But you know what? The mistakes is part of the lesson. I started off, you know, a little shitty, and I and I've gotten better. Yeah, I definitely can say if, if I had to go back to like the early years of insert name MC, I'm sure it'd be beyond cringy as hell. So I I, I could definitely agree to that. And obviously, the start made it. I mean, the start of that show made, it was difficult because because of the of the worldwide, you know, close and shutdown. You know, the game got suspended, so I had nothing. So yeah, just as I just as I started it, you know, I couldn't I couldn't release the first episode until the twenty twenty Champions League resumed. Man, that's that. Yeah, the pandemic was definitely an interesting period because of, same thing. Actually, Instagram name FC started right around the pandemic as well. So I, I definitely agree with you on, on all the, all the obstacles that came with it. Um, obviously you, you're, you're a solo show, correct? Well, I, I have guests every now and then, but yeah, but I do, I do run it solo. Yeah. Basically the people get it confused. Is it the bear of Texas podcast? I'm like the bear of Texas podcast is my media production firm. And I have three shows and internet FC is one of them. And into the net FC is the football discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. It's basically the football section. So, okay. because one thing I learned, because when I first started podcasting in in uh, in the fall of 2019, my only thing I had was was my only show was the Bear of Texas podcast. And then the lesson that I learned is it's probably it's definitely not a good idea to basically mix in all your content into one show because you have fans that care about the sport of football. You have fans that care only more about, you know, these other things. So so you started with the Bear of Texas, and, and you had this realization. How, how soon into the Bear of Texas did you realize I had to start deviating it up? And what what actually did you deviate? Pretty much almost immediately because I, I had noticed that some people were like, you know, why are you putting this stuff in? You know, why why aren't you just talking about this? Like, so I decided, you know what, I should divide it up. And at the same time, if all three of my shows were to do great, that that, that would only triple the, the supposed income that I could make out of it. So at the same time, I mean, it's more work, but you know what? If all things go well and when the time is right, the amount of money you can make could be three times as much. It's very difficult in podcasting, and it feels like oh, it feels like it's impossible, but you got to keep at it. No, I, def- I definitely agree with that one. I mean... With me having to edit, promote it, I I, I definitely oh. know all the all the battles that comes with it. Um, so currently, obviously, you're watching the Asian Cup. Um, I'm following it. Okay, currently following it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not doing that good of a job on on keeping up with that one. But no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not either. Honestly, I'm really not. Okay, I've been more focused with Afcon. Um, but has there been anything that from that tournament that has really like gotten your eye? Uh, so far, well, see, because I said on, a, on an episode a few days ago that it annoys me how people say that you know Asian football is considered extremely boring because people only care about the European powerhouses. And I've said Asian football is not the same as European, but it's unique in its own way. You know, and I said it. You know, it bothers me how players in the Middle East, you know, don't get the opportunity to play in Europe. <laughs> and some people say it's because they're not good, which is a complete lie. I know for a fact there are players in Lebanon, in Syria, and you know in Jordan. There are players in the Middle East that are far more talented than some of the than the, some of the players that we see in Europe. It's just unfortunate that they do not get the opportunity because of I would imagine because of political reasons. 
And the same thing goes with the Asian players because, you know, you see play, teams like South Korea, Japan, Australia, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to the FIFA World Cup, they don't have the best outings because when you compete against the South American and the European powerhouses, but when you see them compete in the Asian Cup, you really see them be strong and you really get a good glimpse of the European, uh, excuse me, of the Asian style of football because you see formations and tactics and style of play that you don't see in Europe. You see something different. And it's honestly, it's impressive. Because I always say, you're the European style, while it may be the most dominant and maybe the most impressive, you know, it's not the only one out there. <laughs> no, I definitely I definitely get that part. I mean, I'm someone that defends CONCACAF till the end just because I, I, I respect the, the, the physicality part of it. But no, I mean, you know, being over the years that I've gotten to watch Asian countries, you know, play – um, obviously South Korea and Japan are always the two ones that you think of, but even when watching Saudi Arabia, um, in, in the recent world cup where they, they, you know, they had the upset of the century by beating, you know, a Lionel Messi led, you know, Argentina. Yeah. I remember that. And, and watching them play, you could see, it, I think the word for me, when I look at the way the, like Saudi Arabia plays, and I don't know if that is a reflection of, of other Asian teams, but uh resilient is like a word that i felt and i mean i felt i watched i saw i felt that watching every single game saudi arabia played like even even when things didn't look as positive they still played it out till the end and i think uh i think that's an admirable style i don't know if resilient is the right word but i i feel like when i think i don't is that a good reflection of what asian football is i mean it's amazing when you see you know the an asian powerhouse pull off an upset against one of one of the world's top powerhouses you know, that proves that even in the other parts of the world that people don't bother to pay attention to as far as football goes, they utilize a style of play and formations that you don't see in Europe or in South America or North America, for that matter. Yeah, it's it's definitely I think I think if people get and I think that's what we're hoping for for World Cups, right, is to to see the different styles of play. Um, obviously, the World Cup's expanding in, in 2024. 48, 48 competitors. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, how many, how many were added for Asia? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, 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 I didn't actually, I was not aware that, that they, that they increase the competitors for the Asian cup as well. Wow. That seems to be a theme now. Cause AFCON also expanded. You know what? You might as well, but, but, but you know, then again, I feel like they gotta, they gotta come up with a world cup for the very low ranked tiny countries that never have a chance of going to the FIFA world cup. I mean, let's be honest, seeing those tiny countries go at it. Why not? It's more, I mean, for me, it's more content for my, it's more content for my show and I'm sure it's more content for yours. So why not? Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at AFCON, I mean, seeing K Verde, you know, doing what they're doing right now, seeing uh, Molly that I wasn't even put on till, till covering, till watching AFCON, um, you know, you wouldn't hear about these countries because same thing, like you said about with the Asian powerhouse teams, you also have your African powerhouse countries like Senegal and Egypt and, um, and, and you know, and they're all eliminated. Right. You know, Senegal's eliminated. You know, Egypt unfortunately is eliminated. And so, you know, we could and one of these other countries, we could put Angola. I didn't know that Angola was like that until I watched them play. And so it's it's I think that's the beauty of expanding these tournaments that opens up opportunities for a lot of other countries and nations yeah. really can do. And it also opens up upsets, which I think at the end of the day, everyone loves a good upset. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, ex- exactly that. And um, 
so as as a as a you know as a football writer a journalist um is there a specific league that you follow or is there or you just kind of cover it all it's basically like the opportunity of like the biggest of a popular story that's going on so right now i mean the, the, la- the last thing i wrote earlier today uh as liverpool was playing chelsea because mo salah i would imagine he's probably going to be out until at least february 10th i wouldn't be surprised if he was out longer as a precaution so i basically explained that Liverpool should prosper in Mo Salah's absence because, you know, of all that talent they have. But, of course, the bigger story as far as Liverpool goes is that Jurgen Klopp announced that he's leaving the club at the end of the season. Now, I didn't write a story on that, but I did do an episode on that on my show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically when the opportunities are there, when there's something huge, you know, you, you got to go for it. But this, there's this one rule. There's one source that we all count on, and that's Fabrizio Romano. Yeah. So if he does not confirm it, then there's no story. He's the guy that we trust more than anything. So everybody still asks me, you should keep talking about the Mbappe, Real Madrid thing. Like, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm honestly, I'm sure you're, you're just about as sick and tired of this whole thing as me. I'm not doing it. I Even if even if there's rumors that he signed, I'm like, until Fabrizio confirms that Mbappe has signed with Real Madrid, I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah, I mean, as, as I'm a Madridista, I definitely... I've kind of been sick of just hearing the name of Bappe at this point. Um, so I definitely can agree to that one. I've been, I've, I mean, I'm a fan that I just love the game, but I have, but I have been a Real Madrid fan since 1996, since I was three. So despite the fact that I'm a, I'm a fan that just loves the game, the club that's a club that's very, very close to my heart is Real Madrid. Well, now we agree on that. Uh, of, course, is, the, the, um, of, of course, you know, the, the Barcelona guys say, why, why'd you have to pick Real Madrid? I'm like, well, I mean, I was three years old. Then, you know, my childhood hero, Zinedine Zidane, played for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, I'm, I'm best friends with a Barca fan, so. Uh, and we, we grew up on Brazil. Um, we're both Me and him are both Salvadorian, so we both grew up on Brazilian soccer, on football. And uh, he chose Ronaldinho, and I chose Ronaldo. That's literally <laughs> literally how that went, that went down for both of us. Both amazing players. And, you know, the 1998 World Cup final, you know, see that whole ordeal involving Ronaldo. It's very, very unfortunate, but sometimes I always say, well, Ronaldo or no Ronaldo, France still would have won. I was, I was just that confident. Was that the, was that like the game that really like clicked you on for, for the game or? Well, no, uh, I was already a huge football fan, you know, but prior to the 98 world cup, but when France won the world cup, that just made me a bigger fan than before. That's, you know, Zidane had always been, I mean, I was already looking up to Zidane. It was the 96 Euro when I started looking up to Zidane. And then when 98, when he became an international hero, that's when he officially became my childhood hero. And to this day, Zinedine Zidane is still my hero. And people still like to, you know, you know poke me with the whole headbutting incident. And I just tell him, you know what? Zidane went on to win three more Champions League titles as a manager, while that freak hasn't done anything since retiring as a player. Matarazzi's done absolutely nothing. So, that's, except that's going, he, went to, he went to India and coached a small club and did nothing. So that's the only way he got famous. <laughs> right. That was his, his, his one shot at fame. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that one. I mean, compare the list of accomplishments. Yeah. No, I mean, Zuzu, Zizu obviously has like a special place in my heart for what he was able to do with Real Madrid. He's such an amazing player. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Zidane. I wanted to be him. I knew I, mean, I never could, but I wanted to be like him. Dude was a tactician, man. That dude knows knew the game very well. 
mean, single-handedly in 2006, single-handedly destroyed a loaded Brazilian team. Yeah, he he was a beast. He was even just... even every Brazilian supporter that I've spoken to, they all say we cannot hate on France because France number they say number one France won fair and square. Number two, they say that France played the game in such a respected way that France earned the, the respect from the Brazilians. So. It's amazing. Every Brazilian sport that I know, they, they have, <coughs> excuse me, they have no ill will towards France because they say, well, France is and always has been a respectable opponent for us, so we respect them. They respect us. Like, amen. Yeah, that is perfect way to, to top this one off. All right, Alex, thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, also, well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Always. So this is your time. This is your moment right here. Share whatever you want to share. Plug whatever you want to plug. Well, if you would like to subscribe to my football podcast, it's Into the Net FC. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, as I said, anywhere you get your podcast. Please be sure to check out the website I write for, Third Down Thursdays, as well as the other, which will be the Playmakers blog. Be sure to check out Pipe Bomb Radio NYC, as well as Pipe Bomb Metallic. And also be sure to check out the greatest basketball podcast. It's called Hoops Talk. Excuse me, it's called Shooting Lights Out, actually. He changed it. It's called Shooting Lights Out. It's also available anywhere you get your podcast. So please follow, follow, follow. Also, be sure to check out this show as well because the support is what we need and what me- it's what means to us the most. Thank you so much, Alex, man. Time is the most precious thing in this world. And obviously, whenever anyone gives me time, I want to make sure that it's worth it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Are you ready to elevate your sports betting experience? Look no further than DraftKings Sportsbook. Why choose DraftKings Sportsbook? Unmatched variety. Bet on your favorite sports leagues or discover new ones to follow. Live betting. Test your instincts and feel the adrenaline as you bet in real time while a game unfolds. Promotions and boosted odds. DraftKings keeps the excitement going with a range of promotions, odds boosts, and special offers. And a user-friendly interface. Whether you're a seasoned better or new to the game, DraftKings' intuitive platform makes placing bets a breeze. Ready to dive in? BellyUp Sports has partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook to give you an exclusive offer. Sign up at dkng.co forward slash bellyup150 and new customers will get $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet $5 or more. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your love for sports to the next level. Sign up today and let the games begin. Please give all responsibly. 21 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. All right, guys. African Cup of Nations is officially over. And it's heartbreaking as that is. But, of course, we got to recap it. Um, it was the big game that happened on Sunday. I don't know what else happened on Sunday, but I know that's one that mattered. Um, of course, we got our man, Musa, who has been Nothing but a, a breath of fresh air here uh, at Instant Agency. One, mainly because, let's face it, me and Edward are not, we're not smart. And so, oh, and, and Musa, Musa <laughs> raised the IQ here. So, so we definitely appreciate that. But obviously it was great covering this tournament. This tournament has been so much fun. Um, and literally the most unlikely thing to have happened ends up happening. So that just tells you how much enjoyable this tournament is, how the parody in Africa is. Um, but I'll keep, I'll stop glazing Africa for a bit. So Musa can go ahead and start talking. Uh, Musa, what do you got to say about this tournament? Oh, no. Um, it was very interesting as a whole. Um, it didn't, it did not fell off expectations. It's just that, um, I guess our favorite teams did not make it as expected. Some of those that were on the branch of dying all of a sudden woke up. So it's, 
it's one of those things where you know tournaments it just depends on when you get hot and how you ride that wave right yeah exactly um i i honestly forgot all that i did this um i actually put a future bet on afcon and i actually picked <laughs> a, uh nigeria to win the whole thing i completely forgot about it and then i was actually like going through my phone to start doing my prop bets for the super bowl and i was like holy shit i forgot about that i bet on nigeria um so so i now had some some investment going on unfortunately obviously that didn't work out uh but you probably yeah. wanted to forget about it huh yeah, I mean, I didn't win any of my bets for the Super Bowl either, so I mean, <laughs> bet responsibly. Do not bet anything crazy. I bet five dollars. That's it. Um, it's crazy. If Nigeria, if Nigeria would have won, I would have came out with two hundred dollars. So I'm kind of <laughs> kicking myself for that one. But hey, you know what? I lost five bucks. Yes. Um, so, so there's that. Um, but all right, the Ivory Coast. They won. That's <laughs> all I really got to say yeah, on that one. Yeah. Um, this team barely made it to the quarter to the knockout rounds. Was the last team of the four, of the third place teams to make it to the knockout rounds, and they made it to the they fired their coach. <laughs> they fired yeah. their coach. <laughs> yeah, I I think probably the most surprising part of it is that even in the third place finishers that were able to go to the playoffs. They were the worst team as well. So they were the worst team of the third place teams that qualified. So yeah. they were literally right bottom. Yeah, it was very much insane. Obviously, the pressure was on Ivory Coast. They're hosting the tournament. Uh, I think last time a team had, that was hosting the tournament that won, it was Egypt. So, it, it yeah, it's um, it's a... It's a ton of pressure, and then obviously your local press, your local media. You know, you you mentioned it um, as we were covering that. You know, there was no there was no getting away from the media. Um, so I mean, it was it was definitely pressure it was all on the Ivory Coast, um, and then on the other side you have Nigeria, a team that everyone expected them to be here. Um, you know, Victor Osimhen still impactful in his own way. Just you know, I, I know everyone has this this idea that you know strikers all they could do is score goals. But I mean, obviously there's, there's more to it than just that. Um, and, and I mean, I still think Nigeria was still a fun team. They scored amazing goals. Uh, Lookman has now become a guy that I, I'm going to be watching as much as I can because he was, I didn't realize that he had that in him. Um, I didn't, I didn't know anything about Lookman until I got to see him play. And I, I was like, man, I need to start learning a little bit more about this guy. Cause I think he's, he's a very enjoyable player. Um, I don't know how old he is to be honest, but definitely enjoyable to watch. So I'll be watching some Atalanta games definitely more this year. You know, African players, the age is kind of hard to tell. So um, we'll give you down on that. And and pretty much that's what kind of helps also with the the, the whole tournament is that it's pretty much their showcase ID to show, you know, the rest of the world um, what they're made of. And Mm -hmm. looks like some of them already have discussions about either renewing contracts or getting new contracts or moving in the summer. So it looks like not too bad for a lot of them. A lot of them. But all right, so Ivory Coast, I will say this was definitely, to me, I felt the Ivory Coast was the best team on the field. Um, Their physicality was was very evident. Um, One of the things that I mentioned about about the Ivory Coast was this. This is a very physical team. I mean – 
if you want to know like the best way best person to personify the ivory coast it's frank cassie uh because yeah. oh, the man a is a dog <laughs> yeah. straight up dog and I, I love his game for that um and yeah so ivory coast has 63 percent of the possession of this match um ivory coast also outshots uh nigeria 18 to 5 and we're pretty pretty more we're a lot more accurate than the nigeria especially where they only had they had eight shots on target to nigeria's one shot uh on target uh nigeria's goal did come from their captain truce Enkong. Um, which as always, he's been scoring so standout performance from him. Um, but th- that was the thing that like I love the by language that I saw from the Ivory Coast. They didn't look defeated. They were just like, "All right, game on." And so, and like as I mentioned, Frank Cassie comes in sixty first minute, puts a goal in, and then uh, the man with the beautiful story, Sebastian Haller, puts in yep. the winner. Um, though I know some people were trying to figure out who really scored the goal, but it, they gave it to Haller. It is, um, but yeah. So and it, you know, I think that's almost like what we talked about on the preview was that um, that pretty much happened exactly the way we talked about it. Nigeria had the first goal, of course, and then after that, they kind of stayed back a little bit, and they literally let Ivory Coast play, and that's when their confidence started elevating as time goes, and they had a lot more shot on goals, and like we said, you know. If you have a ball that goes right, ball goes left, balls go too high, too low, and before you know it, you know how to calibrate, and then it goes in. And when you outshoot a team by almost 13 shots on goal, that pretty much says that, you know, they were taking shots, determined which, which way is working for them, and brought it up. And like we said, you know, as Ivory Coast gets comfortable in the game, that's where the most dangerous and their confidence they all, was it the last three games or so, they trailed back and then had to come back. It was just because of the teams that scored first, got too comfortable and played the counterattack. And then when you put those two guys back in the in it, Holler is like, I think that was pretty much his tournament to make it out of. And like you said, that's the, history, the story of like, you know, beating cancer and then coming back and now bringing it to your own country in your home soil, um, you couldn't written a better story for to finalize the AFCON tournament with, you know, all the madness and all of that comes back to a beautiful story that you can't really be mad at the guy for scoring and then winning it for his team after that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I'm sure Bruce Dorman's going to be very happy to get him back in there. Um, obviously, he did, we didn't get to see him have a full season with Dorman last year, obviously with due to the cancer, but we know what the man's capable of. We saw what he was able to do with Ajax. Um, I mean, when he was with Munch and Gladbach, I felt like this dude was a problem everywhere he went. So Sebastian Haller has definitely got like a little I have like a sensitive spot for him because I think he's 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 very underrated. I don't think he gets I think he should be up with some of the best teams in Europe. And I mean Bruce Dorman is a great place for him to be yes. in. Um, and so I can't wait to see what he can, what he can show again, what he's really capable of. So I, I really can't wait for that, but yeah, I think Ivory Coast, and I mean, I also, the scenes of just all the, you know, all the fans just in minutes knowing that this was going to be it. This was where Ivory Coast coming from the worst team going into the knockout rounds to lifting, lifting the, the trophy is, is like, you can't make, you can't make this up, man. This is. This is, and at home, on yeah. top of all that. 
this is this is what makes the game beautiful, man. It was an amazing scenes, uh, awesome, awesome ending to the African Cup of Nations. Um, there are some award winners. So the best player of the tournament was given to William Truce in Kong of Nigeria. Nigeria's captain. I mean, the dude makes sense. Did his thing throughout the tournament. I, I do feel that he was the best player, which makes me feel good because I played a lot of defender. So, you know. For people, hey, <laughs> hey, you know, defense wins championships, and you know the offense sells tickets. So they didn't really need to sell tickets. So Very there true. it is. Um, the Golden Boot winner was given to Emilio and Sue Lopez. That's a, <laughs> I love that part. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, from Equatorial Guinea. Um, obviously, you know, he's definitely a big reason to why Equatorial Guinea was able to do so well in the group. And and a defender in his club team has a right back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you can make this one up. <laughs> I, I, I'm now wondering what his team is going to be that like. Coach, you know, that like, coach has got to start reconsidering some yeah. formations. You're like, huh, no, might have to put our forwards in our bench for a little bit. No, see what he got. I mean, he's coming in in form. So, I mean, yes. that is for sure. Um, and then the best goalkeeper, which was also the fair play award winner, uh, actually, representing South Africa was the fair play team. Um, but Rowan Williams of South Africa, um, I really like that, like that he got that award. He's really, I really enjoyed watching him play, um, which is very rare that you ever see me praise a goalkeeper. Um, but, I mean, really good, man. Uh, I really can't wait to see what he's doing after this because I feel like there's going to be some eyes on him uh, for sure. But, but yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the, the – the South African league is going to do with all those players that now have a start more known now. And I'm wanting, I'm wanting to see what the temptation will be to leave their actual good league in Africa to, to try outside of the country exceptionally. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think obviously the, the moves got to make sense for them. I mean, it's gotta be a move where they're going to play and, and then the moves got to be worth it for them to to leave South Africa. So I, I yes. think it, it's a it's a lot of interesting storylines. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the Ivory Coast, bro, just what a story. <laughs> I, I I honestly, you know, just the amount of guys that that were just, I think the the word best describes it, just dogs. They were just all of them were just dogs on that pitch. Um, hey, they were playing all hard and. And the new, the, I guess the the new coach. I guess I guess he's the he's not interim most well, likely bet, after this one. They better now. <laughs> so it, and it's and I think it's one of those stories too um, that kind of helps that not many people you know outside of Africa is that especially when you have a coach that's also African that played with the national team that coached the national team and now wins the African Cup of Nation with his home team, it actually elevate those those coaches even higher. Because there's always we always pride on, you know, having that African coach taking the country to win it all. Cause you know, African teams tend to pick, you know, French, English coaches that they, they know well. Um mm-hmm. so it's always good to see, you know, that African coach that played lifted with the team as well yeah i think i remember when bob bradley was coaching um was it egypt is it yeah egypt yeah i remember that i remember that 
And uh, oh, he really had good. an assistant coach was Egyptian too, so he had he had some of that clout around yeah. him. So yeah, it's always interesting just to see like who's willing to hire an American coach. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what South Korea's got Jurgen Klinsmann? I mean, he's German, but but uh, yeah, but we'll we'll see we'll see how long he's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say this, man. I'm not trying to say one was better than the other, but I, I think when it comes to the two big finals that happened this weekend uh, in in the game of soccer or football, depending on how you want to call it, um, I definitely enjoyed this one more than I did the Asian Cup final. Um, nothing against the Asian Cup final. I think it was still really good. The atmosphere was amazing. Another another host country that yep. won that won that one. But obviously, um, the goals that were scored here were a little bit were more were more enjoyable. Uh, on than play goals, penalties. Yes. <laughs> so once again, no offense, no offense to Qatar, respectively. So you guys were, were the were definitely worthy of the trophy. But I mean, I, it's like you score a hat trick. That's great. But it's like hey, it was t- three penalties. Yeah, uh, it it helps, but I guess well, most likely people won't won't remember the scoreline. They will most likely just remember that yes, we won it afterward. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, you know, still sticking with African Cup of Nations. But being that it's the two host countries that, that for both those tournaments that end up winning, um, is it is it kind of does it make sense where like there is like at least somewhat of a home field advantage that gets comes into play because. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I, initially, the Ivory Coast wasn't looking great, but I feel like the energy from the atmosphere from the crowds definitely helped boost them to continue pressing on. Um, it it definitely does, uh, but I think for them compared to other countries, um, I'll probably compare it almost to France, who won it in '98 at home. Um, you know, there was that pressure knowing that they were that good, so there was an expectation to already win it. But when it comes to like Ivory Coast on how they started the tournament, the expectation was almost more of like making it to the playoff and then, you know, play with house money to see how far you can take it mm-hmm. compared to like, you know, hey, this is our tournament. This is at home. You guys have to win it. It's like the, the different pressure that comes with those two. And I think they got a little bit more comfortable after, you know, the embarrassment, and then they just pick themselves up and just play their heart out because pretty much no one had expectations of them doing that well except the country. Yeah, because I mean, like honestly, there there's no other place you, you're already you're already down. Like there's no yes. there's no other elsewhere elsewhere to go but up. So yeah. I mean, and I they're think, pros, so they they know things happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know you know we talk about how loaded some of these nations were with with players that play in in europe but i mean ivory coast there's there's also names there i mean guys that have a lot of experience in in uefa tournaments and even big league tournaments champions leagues and all that big big leagues in general so i mean you know even though everyone's saying the same things for other teams you can honestly say the same thing for them like frank cassie comes from bars you know played in barcelona like he knows the standard when it comes to playing in that, and you know, it's it was a guy that was picked by Xavi, yep. you know. So, um, he, he got he, he can play <laughs> honestly. I think if, if you're Barcelona, you kind of wish you would have kept him, <laughs> but you also can't afford him, <laughs> yeah. Different, different conversation these days now, <laughs> yeah, for uh, for sure. But what an amazing final! I mean, if you had 
as, just in general, the tournament, if you could sum up the tournament in your own way, what would it be? Um, I think it it met expectations as um so like the the showcase of African soccer, they pretty much nailed it. You could see, you know, all the fans were all having a good time. We didn't hear any, you know, any bad publicity about things. It was all banters, nice dancing. So the atmosphere was like a big old celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of goals, and we saw some crazy teams going up as far as they could. We saw teams we did not expect to lose so early. Um, and I think one of the biggest highlights that I was also posting is that, like, the referees and how they're, you know, standing their ground against other players. Um, I guess we saw those situations when even a ref pushed a player. Some, you know, you see a player coming towards a referee and he was just push, putting his hand in front of him. It was like, don't even try. Mm-hmm. And the VAR, you could see there was not that much um, interruption. Also, it was maybe one or two that were questionable, but at least none of us at this moment know the referee by name and the game because they weren't really that an effect on the game, which is what we complain a lot these days. That we know the referees, we know their name, we know their the game they ref five years ago because mm-hmm. how bad they were. These guys, I cannot even name one of them. So it definitely kind of show, you know, maybe them having more opportunities to coach, um, sorry, to ref in, in other tournaments because they definitely show that they can manage a game um, yeah. more better than others. Definitely. I think uh, the, guy, uh, the, the group that refereed, the, uh, that did the final, I think spotless. I don't, I don't, I don't think that there was a single issue throughout, uh, throughout that final. I think it was well done. Dude, um, you, did you see him? Did you see the, the middle referee when yeah. he saw the Nigerian um, coach berating the, the the fourth referee on the sideline? Mm-hmm. And he was going at her for who whoever knows. He literally ran from the middle of the field all the way to the sideline, give him a yellow card, and warned him that if he does it again, he'll be out for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And you saw the, the, the coach just stay back, and he was just doing his faces sidelines like, those are the things you want to see referee takes, you know, yeah, over I think that's like those situations. Notes. Just like huh? everybody take notes, especially you MLS yeah. referees. Yeah. Um, and you saw um, Gary Neville from England in national television in Britain. He said that the referees had it spot on and that other referees should take notes. Mm-hmm. So that was another highlight that says, hey, we do ask for better referees. Not only now that African football has shown that they have the players, the infrastructure, and, you know, the atmosphere, but they also have the referees. So that kind of elevates um, the tournament itself. No, you're absolutely right. And I also think the the announcing, I think the commentary was very good, very informative. Um, not saying that other commentary groups don't do that, but I, obviously as someone that's like, isn't really well informed in in Africa. Uh, I think that they did a really good job. Um, it, I, I I was learning as the games were as the matches were progressing. So I think that the commentary also, uh, being sports, like just really good coverage of it. I I think did a solid a solid job for it. Um, we need. I I just want to see a little bit more for it because I think in the tournament it has a lot of parody in it, which is I think 
what we don't see in a lot of these uh, a lot of these inter- in these international tournaments anymore these days. Um, you know, I mean, you could even argue like Asian Cup. I mean, Qatar has definitely been kind of getting more and more better over the years. So you're like, I kind of see, I expect them to be there as long as well as like South Korea and Japan and you know Iran as well. Don't make it fun. Yeah, so you you want some parody in it? I was rooting for Jordan. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but well, it, 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 neighbors. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think the parody, like even the same thing with Gold Cup. I mean, we know it's gonna be USA and Mexico. So yeah, it's like unfortunately, yeah. the parody. The parody needs to be there, and I think African Cup of Nations is. It is like the best part is just the fact that it can be anybody. I mean, the last tournament that was Senegal's first African Cup of Nations. If yep. Sure was. Uh, a team that's that good, I would, you know, if you would have told me going in blind, I would have thought, you know, they, they've won multiple at this point. Um, just because I just, I know I can think of names from Senegal. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just that I guess Egypt were at that time were like the it factor. And mm-hmm. um, Senegal didn't have that much of a structure compared to many of the other countries, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, Egypt. Yeah. I think the other thing that I really liked is like, just because you're that big name player in Europe doesn't mean you're going to be the guy that steals the show in this tournament, you know, you know, to get, you know, to, to get the names that were, that were standouts here, you know, like Adamola Lookman, like I was, you know, I didn't know who he was until, till now. And I, and he's been playing for Atalanta this at, so far this season. So I'm like, you know, What's he's been the standout for Nigeria for me. So it's like, you know, it's not always going to be those guys. Still, Victor Olsman did do a good job. Obviously, he just didn't do what everyone wants him to be doing, which is scoring goals. But I think he still was impactful in his own way and very physical up front as well. Yeah, and I think the last thing that I saw that was kind of good to see is that, like, all of the legends from, like, African football, you could literally see them everywhere. Um, like, talking to players, they were, like – they were so accessible to all of everybody. You could literally just walk them, you know, sideline saying hi, you know, motivating people. So it's it's good to see, you know, the some of those legends that you know calm down and talk to those players, kind of make them feel like you know this is your tournament and this mm-hmm. is a celebration of African football mm-hmm. that everyone is there and you know it's not you don't really see it, you know, hey, this is such and such and they're untouchable or they are staying in their, you know, boxes. You, you literally were seeing them everywhere talking to each other. So it's refreshing to, to see that part. And Drogba, our Chelsea legend, was like his expression, you know, seeing it <laughs> the, when Nigeria scored, he was like lost. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you see a little bit of joy and then he scores. He just, he's berserk like we were. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even celebrating our own country. So it's, it's one of those things that kind of bring back the joy of watching this sport that we enjoy so much. Yeah, I think that there's a – I'm trying to think of the word to best describe it, but I think that there's – pride isn't the – I don't think pride is the word that I want to use, but there's definitely that that sense of you wanting this tournament to be good, not only for your own country, but just for the state of the continent of Africa. Like you want this to perform. Uh, you want the, you want the best coverage for it. You want people to see what everyone, what you guys see. And I think that, that this tournament has been getting better and better each time that I've watched it. I've been like, I mean, it, to me, I'm like, 
I don't even care that's in January. I'm going to watch this thing <laughs> because it, it's it's so much fun. The atmosphere is amazing. I mean, this definitely got to be on my bucket list at one point to go go be there in AFCON. Like, I'll be that I'll be that pale-skinned guy from the World Cup that was dancing with the people from Ghana. Uh, you, you're not <laughs> alone. They show a British guy that was there for kissing himself. Yeah. And he, he's pale British guy, so <laughs> no. But, I mean, the atmosphere is just yeah. – it's just – and I think it's inviting. You know, that's yeah. the best part of it all. It's like it's an inviting atmosphere. Uh, and, and that's how the game is supposed to be. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter what language we speak as long as we know we know where the ball needs to go. But, you know, and I think good. that was – once again, football as purist yes. is, is just what it is. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was an amazing African Cup of Nations. Uh, but, unfortunately, it's over, and it's not till, – till another while before we have 2025. another – 2025 till we have another one but musa obviously thank you for you know giving us the information you obviously are very well informed on this tournament and of course on the continent of africa um so it was definitely enjoyable to to have you here man um definitely need to get you on not just for african cup of nations but for obviously anything else um but of course where all where can the people find you as always um all social platform football podcasts or Musa Seca. Um and very soon we'll be covering more of the MLS, CDSC and I believe also it will be the uh, Champions League, High School's Champions League in San Luis starting and then there will be more announcements coming for the next few um, states that will be hosting that tournament so it's going to be fun and a busy time and it is always a pleasure to join you on your show. Always, man. Make sure you guys check out Musa, also a member of the Goals TV family. So make sure yes. you're going to find his content also there on Goals TV. So if you definitely want to be in the know of what's going on in St. Louis, also the state of Missouri, I'm, I'm guessing Missouri is also yep. in play for you. Um, or you want to learn about the clubs that, he's, that he supports there, go ahead and check him out. Um, great stuff. Um, definitely a fan. So thank you, Musa. Appreciate it. And we'll go ahead and segue into uh, the recap for the uh, Asian Cup. All right, guys, we're back. Thank you, Musa. And thank you, Alex Alcazaz, for coming on and talking footy. It's always great to add people and showcase every great, great uh, content creators as well. Obviously, you can find Musa on Gold TV as well. So. Um, dude, honestly, that guy elevated my IQ for Africa, so I appreciate that greatly. Um, but along with He's the great. African Cup of Nations, we also had the Asian Cup. Um, I apologize to the supporters of the Asian Football Com- Confederation, but if you guys didn't, we didn't cover it just because, like, I, I I wasn't gonna wake up that early to watch matches. Um, uh, but <laughs> if you guys, if you guys should have been keeping up with Dead Ball TV, also another uh Goals TV affiliate that. Definitely was doing that that work, and I respect him for that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the Asian Cup final happened, and the final was Qatar and Jordan. Um, I was really intrigued because I was like Jordan. I was like, I didn't. I was intrigued just by that name because of, not not because I, I'm like I'm a dumb American, don't know other countries. I know that that Jordan exists, but um, <laughs> it was just because I don't know anything about their football, so I yeah. was very intrigued by that. Um, I mean, they beat a really good team to get to the finals, so I was really excited to see it. And 
Unfortunately, it was Qatar that won the Asian Cup final, the host also of this tournament, uh, winning 3-1. And, I mean, Jordan had 58% of the possession. Jordan also outshot Qatar 16-8. The only thing that Qatar won in any category was, besides the scoreline, was shots on target, which was 7-6. Jordan's goal came from all Naimat in the 67-minute mark, and all of Qatar's goals came from Afif. And from penalties in the 22nd minute, the 73rd minute, and in stoppage time in the 90th minute. Um, it was, I, okay, I don't want to say it was a terrible final because it wasn't, um, but it just, it's just such a letdown when all the goal, majority of the goals came from, didn't come from open play. Yeah, I agree, bro. And I, I did, um, you know, for those who, might have caught it. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But I, I was with Deadball TV with Jack from Deadball TV. Shout out, Jack. Um, guy was absolutely grinding Asian Cup content. Um, and and you know he's he's a big advocate for Asian football in general. But he and I were doing a watch along for the final, and um, you know it was a hat trick of penalty kick goals. Isn't necessarily the greatest. I will say this though, Afif had probably the coldest celebration. I've probably seen and I don't I don't know how long. For those who missed it, go check it out, go YouTube it. This man pulled a playing card, like a like a card in a deck, out of his shin guard and sock, and it was like a picture of him at you know in, in a uniform and like he kind of like 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 he flipped it um uh, as he got close to the camera and there was an S that popped up almost like Superman or something, right? Like it was the coldest celebration I've seen since Alba whipped out the dragon ball um in that 4-0 thrashing of Real Madrid. Like it's it's been a while since I see some of these super creative ones that have been popped out and that that man was ready to score in the final. Um I didn't want to see Qatar win. I, I was kind of pulling for Jordan a little bit just because I feel like I don't know, this might be like maybe some personal bias because I, I feel like Qatar's everywhere, right? They're they're almost sports washing everything right now and they they were hosting the World Cup. They 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 host the um this asian cup as well saudi gets the spanish super cup like it's i don't know man i'm even just tired of seeing qatar i don't really know but i think the final itself was good it, it, it wasn't bad like even the penalty kicks i mean you, you have to get down there to the box to create the opportunities and, and qatar did that afif was the best player on the pitch by, by far he was the most threatening um he, when he had the ball and he even like i mean came down with an injury that i thought would have actually taken him out of the game and the man really did pop up like super Match. so that 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 card celebration holds up all in all good final um but if you've been watching the asian cup at all there have been some crazy results that i think uh were even better than the uh, the, the final itself i think i don't know why they don't have a third place game i think there should have been you know i know afcon has one um uh, there wasn't one for the asian cup i don't know why they took that away but um all in all man very very solid tournament if you didn't check it out go watch some of the highlights on youtube man this asian cup was wild to say the least yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, uh, I, I know some people were complaining that this was in January and it interfered with with the Premier League and and the other leagues. But honestly, it was, it was, it was a really great final. I, I think they should keep it in January. Um, yeah. So, unfortunately, Hungman Son didn't get to walk out with a trophy. Um, it's 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 heartbreaking that for that guy, but probably the only guy from Tottenham that I actually like have a soft spot for, which is crazy to believe that. Um, but yeah, man, no, yeah, you, uh, might be, you might be the only, you might be, you might be the only one there, bro. I, I feel like he cries a lot, but outside of that, like, um, tell you what is it, let me ask you this. 
do you think it's Klinsman, the Klinsman effect? I don't know if USMNT fans will will agree with me or not, but um, I, I, there's been a lot of crazy shouts about whether or not Jurgen Klinsman should continue to be the coach there of South Korea. They should have been one of the final, you know, one of the finalists, Japan included. But it's just, uh, it, it really was considered to be a failure for them, and he's still the manager. They haven't announced any sort of changes there, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with 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 them, but. Korea's got got more than a few ballers. Definitely a, a team you guys should check out, even outside of Hungmin Sun. There's, there's, uh, there's more than a few ballers on that team. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know if if he's if he's like the guy to like get you there. He can he can give you some results, but I think when it comes down to it, I just don't think he he's the guy that can get you to that exclamation point. Um, I agree. I, I just I don't know, man. Like it, you know, it's crazy to think like with African Cup of Nations, man. The uh, with Ivory Coast winning, they literally fire their manager after the group stage, hire a new manager, and being literally like the last team to qualify for the knockout rounds, and beat Senegal. They every single game I doubted them, and they proved me wrong. I mean, they all the way to the final. I even doubted them in the final, and um, I, I'm now down. I'm now down ten dollars because of it. So. <laughs> so so there's that um but yeah yeah i mean but it was like like i said it's you need tournament managers i don't know if klinsman is necessarily that guy like i said before he could be i just i haven't seen him really do it um but you know we'll see what happens i think with uh again i'll say but like i said before if you haven't been tuning into asian football bro go check it out like i said not even just south korea japan has more than a few ballers i actually think it was a way bigger upset to see them bow out when they did because of how good that team is on paper. There are plenty of players you've already heard of, whether it's it's Tomiyasu, whether it's uh, Kubo. You know, they have so many talent on that team that are balling in leagues that you probably already watch. You just weren't aware that they play for Japan or play for South Korea. So uh, shout out the Asian Cup, man. It's uh, I, I don't tune into it you know, regularly when it does happen every so often. But this year, Jack from Deadball TV got me into it, bro. We were texting about it all leading up to the tournament. And... Uh, I'm glad he did, man. He uh, he got me into it. And I think I'm gonna be tuning in as as a regular moving forward. Yeah, so definitely a great tournament. Uh, maybe next time around we'll do we'll actually do a better job of covering it uh, for sure. But moving on, man. Players Week. Players Week is brought to you by SeatGeek. Um, SeatGeek is an amazing app where you can find tickets for anything, concerts, sporting events, comedy shows. I like theater. You can find some theater, opera, you know, all that great stuff there. You can find it, and it has a very simple system. It's a, it's literally a grading system. If it's green, great deal, get it. If it's red, look for something else. Very simple, really easy, man. So if you guys go to SeatGeek.com or, go on, or download the SeatGeek app, if you use the code BELLYUP20 on your first purchase, it will take $20 off your first purchase. So thanks again to SeatGeek. Use the code BELLYUP20. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. All right, Jose, since you are the guest, you can go ahead and say who is your player of the week. Yeah, bro. And look, this this man, this this guy, I'm, I'm going to say guy, but he's a kid. I, I feel like he's just getting better every week, man. Every week he's putting on a show. I can't I can't give him enough flowers, man. La Mina Mal from Barcelona. Granted, Barcelona did, did drop points to a relegation candidate in Granada in La Liga. And again, I'll go back to what I said before. That's what makes La Liga so fun to watch is that it does feel like anything can happen most weeks. Um, you know, Barcelona did draw 3-3 to Granada. And, and But with that said, two of their three goals came from a 16-year-old La Mina Mal. 
he's playing at an insane level right now uh, so much so that um i think it was mundo deportivo um had a uh a, like a nice little kind of like character-esque drawing of him in the in the front paper after they drew to granada and it's literally him as a smaller version and his arms are kind of like carrying on his back this giant barcelona badge and like like it's the world and i i could not agree more man i mean this 16 year old kid he's i think he's the youngest uh it's the youngest brace by any player in la liga history mm-hmm. and i think he's doing things that no other 16 year old's ever done i i am fortunate enough at, at almost 33 years old to have been alive and watched messi make his debut for barcelona i feel like and i'm not going to try and like make you know those types of comparison but i feel like messi wasn't inherently doing this like he was to an extent right but he also had a ton of of great talent around him to kind of take the pressure off of him to me this stands out in a bigger way because barcelona is not in that place right now they need playmakers to kind of get them over the line and he seems to be the one doing it when Lewandowski can't score goals when it's not you know ferran torres is injured uh, joao felix is injured you know etc rafinha just came back from injury etc etc there's all these players that are unavailable and a 16-year-old is dragging this team over the line in most games right now. He's going to make his Champions League knockout debut against Napoli uh, next week, so very, very soon. I can't wait to see what he does, but at the same time, man, to see a 16-year-old start this many games in a row, it's it's giving me Pedri flashbacks, bro. It's it's like I, I, can't, I can't watch this man play every minute of every game because we all know how that track ends you know at some point the the body starts to break down so hopefully we can protect him a little bit but man i he is by far my player of the week despite all the crazy games that we saw this past weekend yeah no that's a it's a really good shout um edwards player of the week is erling holland he scored two goals in Manchester city's two nil victory against everton i also want to point out that it was, i saw i was watching tiktok because you know i do that now and um <laughs> There was a some guy talking going off about how Erling Haaland hasn't scored a goal in a while. You know who has been scoring goals? Hoagland. And I was like, man, this is <laughs> this is just gonna be bulletin board material if, if this doesn't if this doesn't pan out well for him. And Erling Haaland just goes in and scores two goals. Um, so as he does, as he does, as he does. Also, twenty twenty three Player of the Year. So shout out to him. So he's now back into the ballot for the for the twenty twenty four race. <laughs> Um, and then my player of the week is Vinicius Jr. He scores a goal and grabs himself two assists in Real Madrid's 4-0 victory against Girona. Um, yeah, this was insane to me. Not not because of, you know, it's Girona and everything like that. But this Girona has been a problem for a lot of teams uh, this season. And for, for Real Madrid just to, like, you know, just slap them around like this, it's just like, like I feel like it, the you know like Real Madrid is uh, is Killmonger. He's like, is this your king? It it felt like that, bro. It felt like that. You know, as a Barca fan, I, I will say this, man. I I try I try my best not to let my bias come into into too many of these analysis, but bro, Madrid absolutely slapped them around. Like it 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 wasn't. And then, again, this is a this is y'all second time playing them in the league, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first match was the draw, I think. Um and. I, I like you, you saw in the first half of the season, they beat Atletico, they beat Barcelona and they didn't just beat Barcelona. They convincingly beat Barcelona, you know, for, for Madrid, this, this, this alongside the Bayern Munich and Leverkusen game 
were were touted like ESPN was marketing these in America as Championship Saturday. I've only ever seen that kind of branding for like college football. By the way, I've never seen that shit for for, for, for soccer, yeah, uh, or for football. And both games were just one sided as hell. Like like both games, the three nil for Leverkusen, the four nil for Madrid. Like it 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 kind of it's one was obviously a little bit of a surprise because it's Leverkusen versus Bayern, but. I, I still think, man, that first goal by Vinicius, the rocket, man, it's I, I couldn't even say anything. I was like, you know, you just gotta tip the hat. I think Vinny is coming into prime Vinny form after having, you know, kind of somewhat of an injury ridden first half of the season. Um, and it's it's as Madrid kind of always does, you know. It, we'll see how that continues to play out in competitions like Champions League. But yeah, man, Madrid go five points clear and it's it's pretty well deserved. Yep, so congratulations to Lamina Mall, Erling Holland, and Vinicius Jr. for being our players of the week. If you go to all our posts on social media, um, Instagram, Twitter, threads, uh, we even post we'll, we'll probably post it also on, on YouTube as a YouTube post for the community. Um there's gonna be a link. Get into that link and you can vote for your player of the week. Um uh, we'll along with telling the votes that we do in these episodes, we'll also see who wins each of those ballots to add another vote for them for the race for the Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year Award. So make sure you guys get in that. And once again, thank you, SeatGeek. Use the code Bellio20 to save you $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. We got some games this weekend, some juicy ones in Liga Mekis. We got America taking on Pachuca. That's gonna be a real juicy one. Pachuca's always a pretty good team right now in Liga Mekis. And then on the other side. We got Cruz Azul taking on Tigres. Um, just battle the heavyweights there. Uh, in Liga, yeah. we got Style the Reams taking on RC Lens. Um, there's a lot more even keel matchups. And Brest taking on Marcial, who Marcial took a big L against Olympic Leon, which, if you guys remember, I have a <laughs> stupid jersey bet going on. And Leon is one of those teams that, if they can avoid relegation, along with Sevilla, uh, I'm giving away a jersey. So. Might you might lose start... that bet. Huh? <laughs> so you might lose that bet. A lot of people are hoping <laughs> for me to lose that bet. Uh, Bundesliga, Heidenheim taking on Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen still undefeated in the Bundesliga. It this is, yeah, it's a it's a special year for Bayer Leverkusen. Hopefully, it continues. And SC Freiburg taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. I'm going to tell you this right now. Every time I watch these two teams face off, it's always a good matchup. I don't know why. I don't uh, luck of the draw. I guess I have no idea. But whenever these two guys, <laughs> these two teams face off, I'm like, this is actually a pretty good game. <laughs> so, so that, that, that's why I recommend it. Uh, Syria, we got Lazio taking on Bologna and Napoli taking on Genoa. So two good matchups in, in Italy as well. And um, Napoli, really quick, Nap- Napoli has fallen, I believe, to like, like what ninth place, something like yeah. that, after being champions. So uh, yeah, they they need every point they can get right now. They'll get. They're getting Osman back. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know, man. Like, like again, they need all the help they can get. Like, they're getting him back, but it's not Osiman as a fresh outcome champion. It's Osiman as a another L he's taking this season. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> I lost ten bucks with him. <laughs> um, I mean, a, a lot of people did, bro. A lot of people did. That's very true. Uh, in La Liga, we got Villarreal taking on Getafe and Atletico Madrid taking on Las Palmas. Um, so good matches for La Liga and in the English Premier League, we got Man City taking on Chelsea. So we know who's winning. We know who's winning. Come on now. We know who's winning. Chelsea, you can try all you want. The Palace victory, hopefully, like it spurs something on. But I've I've never seen 
a more mid table side than Chelsea this season. I don't think I've ever seen it. Like they, they are legitimately a, just a mid table side, nothing more. Yeah. So uh, Musa probably look away because um, he is a Chelsea fan. Um, and yep. Tottenham taking on Wolves. Uh, hopefully I could just enjoy my weekend and see Tottenham lose. So. Yes, yes. Channel that, bro. Manifest it. We got to manifest it. I think I think Gary O'Neill is going to have Wolves up and ready for this one. I think it's uh, – I'm a predicted draw, I, I I personally think. We'll see, though. Wolves, Wolves are, are a better side this season than they've been in, in the last few. Yeah. It's always a good weekend for me when Tottenham doesn't win anything, so. <laughs> I, draw, I don't care. I don't care. It's just as long as they don't win. <laughs> um, so I can live with that. But those are some games to look forward to. Obviously, there's a ton of games going on this weekend, but – if you guys need a good beginner's guide, well, there you have it. Um, obviously, Jose, uh, we will not be seeing you at the conclusion of this episode, but this is your time to shine. Go ahead and tell people uh, anything big that's going on with Gold CV. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it. And look, I, I think with uh, with some, my little quick plug, with Goals TV, go check it out. Um, we're getting bigger and bigger every week, every month. Um, I feel like we're... We're seeing, you know, solid. We're like almost setting little traffic records every every week, every month at this point. But we got some great new content uh, coming to the platform. And for those who are stateside here, Major League Soccer is just around the corner. I want to say maybe half of the content creators that are on our platform focus on MLS, and so or just something American specific. So if you guys want to check it out, want to get um, ready for the season in a big way. There are so many season previews on goals.tv. Go check it out, G-O-L-Z.tv. And worst case scenario, if you want to banter with me on Twitter a little bit, uh, feel free to follow me at It's Bromigo. Uh, like it's, spe- like it's spelled like it sounds, B-R-O-M-I-G-O. Um, outside of that, man, Hector, sincerely, man, I'm, I'm always down to come on the show, banter with you, have a good time. Uh, and uh, and yeah, go go shout out Goals TV. Go follow, go watch, go do everything. All right, man. Thank you so much, Jose. And we'll go ahead and wrap the show up. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky is the official jerky of Belly Up Sports. For over a decade, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky has led the American meat snack revolution by concocting delicious, adventurous, U.S.-sourced jerky recipes for uncompromising carnivores across the country. With 15 different flavors to choose from, Righteous Felon has all jerky lovers covered. And by using promo code BELLYUP, you will get 15% off your purchase at RighteousFelon.com. Do your taste buds a favor today and rip into a bag of Righteous Felon Jerky. All right, guys. So, the Super Bowl, it's over. Congratulations once again to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning their back-to-back Super Bowl. Um, It's crazy that they, man. Patrick Mahomes is only, like, I think, like, 28 years old and already has now three Super Bowls, four Super Bowl appearances. Um... and I mean, you know, some could argue that you can put Chiefs up there as a as the next dyna- the new dynasty. Um, you know, they've taken over the the Patriots mantle. Um, so yeah, it was huge. Um, it, it, so my thoughts, and it's not me trying to like criticize the Super Bowl or anything like that. I think the Super Bowl started off pretty slow, and then th- things got a little bit more up to speed near the end. Um, obviously, you know, not not a lot of, not a lot of people are rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, including myself, I was hoping that San Francisco could could make it happen, um, but apparently, uh, but also I kind of really didn't care who won. Obviously, I'm not a fan of any of these teams, and and I'm fine with Patrick Mahomes being that he is from Texas. So, to me, it was a win for the state of Texas. Um, but but it, all in all, I thought it was it was a pretty good Super Bowl. I I enjoyed it, um, nonetheless. And uh, 
But the the I'm not here to talk about the Super Bowl specifically. But my 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 uh my whole closing thoughts on this is just why there's always these people that come on and has to and I mean has to remind everybody that soccer is the world sport and and, and obviously I'm a soccer podcast guy right I have a soccer podcast so um you know but I'm also American you know uh and I love Amer- I love American football I enjoy watching American football as a matter of fact I'm from the state of Texas where we know what American football rates in this in this state so like is is fo- American football my number one sport no obviously it's soccer but like it, 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 I don't I don't try to compare and contrast these games together because they're two completely different things. Um, And I mean, and I know, I know it's the dumb fucking soccer snobs, the football, the footy snobs, because they hate the soccer. But here's, here's the reality check, man. In in history and throughout history, this was a historical thing. Because if soccer came from England, there was two types of football that was created. There was association football and rugby football. Yeah, so those were the two footballs that were being played. Um, being that they're both called football, they called one rugby, and the other then and you know because association soccer football is taking is like it's, it's a lot of fucking things to say. They called it soccer. One, it comes from Europe. Europe called it soccer. So let's just take it to there. When it came to the United, when it when these two sports came to the United States, they. You know, it was already being called soccer over over in Britain. So they were like, all right, well, this is soccer. And then rugby football, they took off the rugby and called it football. So I don't want to fucking hear it anymore from anybody trying to fucking babble like, oh, yo, why is it called football? They don't even use their feet. Like all that shit is just like goes to the wayside because historically. England, England, that's what England called it. Why didn't you just fucking call it rugby? You know, but like, and rugby is a whole different thing as well, because obviously then um, Americans started adding rules, changed the game in a different way, in different facets, added equipment to it. And and now it is what it is today. Now, on the flip side, though, the people that are so fucking hardo American football is the best sport in the world, world champ. I'm going to tell you this right now. I can give two shits about the world the world champion thing if you're going to criticize them for calling them world champions let's let's be honest if it's the best league the best league in the you know all and and there is people across the world that watches the super bowl and you can't tell me no because there was watch parties in rio de janeiro there was watch parties in france there was watch parties in germany so people are watching american football so get off your fucking high horse and act like americans are the only one that watch this game um and so you know Let's face it, the NFL is the best league in the world. There's no one that's going to compete with it. Obviously, there's a clear monopoly and all that th- and all that good stuff. And, and so, you know, that's like the same thing with the NBA. NBA, everyone comes to play in the NBA. Like, yes, there's other basketball leagues across the world, but what is the best league in the world? The NBA. And a lot of players come internationally to the NBA as well. And, I, like, do I think the title world champion is granted? Is warranted? No, but I can see why you would call them the world champions. And then baseball, the World Series. Everyone, oh my God, people criticize this way too fucking much. But once again, it's the World Series for one reason, one reason only is because 
when it comes to people that love baseball, the MLB is the best league. You know, everyone watches the MLB. Everyone everywhere in the world watches baseball, and they watch the MLB. Some of the best names in baseball are from across the world. I mean, literally the, the number one guy right now, Shohei Otani, is from Japan. So, yes, it is the world's best league, and all eyes are watching. It is the World Series. Who gives a shit what they fucking call it? If it bugs you so much, then, like... It's funny because it's like the like it's one of the fucking dumbest things that and I and I'm dropping a bunch of f bombs because I'm fucking irritated of it, but like, you know what what happened to the saying if you got if you don't have anything nice to say don't fucking say it, like where where did we move away from that rule, like it still applies no matter what period or what age you are if you don't have anything nice to say about it then don't fucking say anything. And and it's fucking clear as fucking day, man. Like, if you fucking don't like baseball and you don't fucking like the the the, the moniker World Series, then don't give it its time of day. Don't give it your time of day. Just don't fucking watch it. But don't try to fucking shit on people that do like it. I love the World Series. It's one of my favorite things to watch, even when my team's not in it. And there was a big period of time where my team wasn't even remotely in discussion for it. So, like, like what 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 why do you have like why do people have this obsession to really just shit on something that you don't like that you clearly don't like but you want everyone else to know like how how fucking sad is your life that that's where that's where you resort to and so for me that's where i'm that's where i go and but kind of coming back to uh the, the super bowl you have all these fucking people trying to fucking you know, ruffle some feathers. And that's honestly what you're doing. That's literally why you're doing this. You're trying to cause some sort of level of chaos. And, and, you know, you had everybody going to, to, you know, and it's it, the, the, the Super Bowl, right? It was massive venue, right? The freaking Las Vegas. So, you know, Las Vegas is going to do it big. And, and, you know, you had people going to Vegas, interviewing random American football fans of what's harder winning a Super Bowl or winning the world cup. And, and, you know, and, and they, and it, I, the the whole purpose of this was so that way they can get like their their audience because that's what they're using their platform to make their audience laugh at all these people that said the Super Bowl the Super Bowl's harder the Super Bowl's harder the Super Bowl's harder for what reason but but just to continue growing your cloud and and and, and like I'm not gonna say like either way it is still difficult both I I I okay I'll be honest with you I do think the World Cup is the tougher is the tougher thing to win because you're you're literally playing against the world's best um and to to win you know the biggest prize and you can and it's only every four years so to use that to for the super bowl you know like come on man that's that's apples and oranges like in the nfl you have to build your team you have to you know draft you have to use free agency you know you have to build a solid foundation with a good coaching staff have a good season, get yourselves in the playoffs, and then, you know, do do your best and with a little bit of luck, get to the Super Bowl and hopefully you can do your job and, and win the whole thing. Like, that's not the case with the World Cup. The World Cup, like, the the coach, ha- you know, selects the players from that player pool of guys that are from that country and builds a team that he feels is qualified to help him go the distance to win the World Cup. But this is every four years, and things change over the years because players get older, new new stars arise, 
all those things. So, and, and, and that's one of my arguments for why the World Cup is, a little, it is harder because generations change. But in football, it is still very difficult to win the Super Bowl because there's 32 teams. I think there's 32. There should be 32 teams. There's 32 teams. You got to make it to the playoffs. And, I, you know, you got to get in the playoffs. Once you're in it, you got to go through the gauntlet. Obviously, if you're coming as a wildcard team, you're not going to play a single home game. So now you have to play in their environment and in, in the home team's environment and try to and try to win in a very hostile environment and even go against the weather, depending on how, whether, whether if the stadium's open or closed. So it's still difficult. It's still very difficult. But, like, for me, it's just, like, why does it matter? Like, it's still – it's difficult to be a professional athlete, period, whether whether it's soccer, whether it's baseball, whether it's American football, whether it's basketball, whether it's hockey, whether it's freaking polo, freaking track and field. Like, to get into a professional level of any sort of athletic competition is difficult as it is. And it that doesn't garner for anyone to shit on any other on any, on any other sport because still to be considered a top class athlete in your respective game, even games like cricket, golf, you know, the the extreme sports like to be considered the best of the best to get a to be paid to do this, there is still a high level of respect that's garnered to those people. Um, not one is more difficult than the other. The other you still have you still in very competitive environments where everyone is trying to be the person. So for me, like, like if you don't like the sport, you don't like the sport. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to talk about it as bad. As a matter of fact, if you don't know anything about the sport, you probably shouldn't be talking about it. You know, like that, that's just my thought. Like if, if you don't know a fuck, if you don't know a fucking thing about a sport, then like your criticism is null and void. That, and, and that's honestly my, my honest opinion. Um, like, you know, for, for, you know, and then also doing the dumb thing, like who, who's a bigger goat, Messi or Tom Brady? Like, are, are, are we serious? Like who the fuck cares? Like no one cares that you don't, that you think it, it you know, that people are mispronouncing that are, are miscalling, you know, football, soccer, you know, no one cares. If you call it football, you call it football. If you call it soccer, you call it soccer. Who gives a shit? At the end of the day, who gives a shit? Who gives a flying fuck what you call it as long as you enjoy the game and you play it? Like, that's all that, in the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Like, some of my fondest memories of playing soccer or football or football is being able to just go into a park and playing with whoever else is playing. It's the inviting element. And that was, like, the that's the beauty of the game, at least for me. But you have these gatekeeping assholes that want to just be like, no, you know, no, I need everybody to know how dumb their game is versus my game. At the end of the day, dude, it's still a fucking it's difficult to go pro in any sport. So we should respect we should respect the the, the quality of whatever athlete has done it. Respect players like Otani, respect players like LeBron James. I know that's going to be a hot topic right there. Um, respect what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Respect what fucking Vinicius Jr. or any top soccer player that you want to think of respect what they're able to do because it is difficult to be considered at the pinnacle of any respective game so and at the end of the day these guys are getting paid to play and uh, to win the championship of your respective sport 
is is a feat that should be garnered with the highest level of respect, regardless of what the views of it was is. And also, it, the, I, I honestly will say the dumbest thing anybody could ever do is post the fucking the views versus the Super Bowl versus the World Cup, because it, they're two completely different things. One happens every year, the other one happens every four years, and obviously it's internationally. Like, there's no point. Like, you're just doing like if you if you're doing that, chances are you probably have a very tiny pee pee. Like it, that's 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 small dick energy right there. That is just proof that you the, the guys that that are so fucking you're you're so fucking insecure of your sport that you want to somehow prove to others how how more how bigger your sport is. Like you know, to me that that's that's null and void. And once again, you can't compare the World Cup to 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 the Super Bowl. They're they're not the same thing. I would compare the Super Bowl to Champions League. It happens every year. It's a competition amongst the best. It's a, it, you know there's there's a playoff there there's a, a qualifying part which is the season you know the se- you have a season right because you play your group matches in in Champions League. It's may, maybe not as long as the NFL is, but you still have a a period a season part, and then you go into playoffs for the teams that are good enough to make it to playoffs. So I would compare I would honestly compare Champions League to the Super Bowl. And I mean the re- the views the viewership is probably still higher in Champions League than it is for for the for the Super Bowl because once again it's just a larger international audience for for the Champions League than it is for the Super Bowl. And and once again that's not a taking a jab at the Super Bowl by any by any means because at the end of the day I am one of those people that view the Super Bowl. I am one that I am that person that views the Champions League. I am that person that views the World Series. I'm the guy that depending on the matchup I'll watch the NBA Finals. Shoot, I even watch the Stanley Cup. I don't even know shit about hockey, but I'll watch the Stanley Cup because it's exciting. It's a championship. Um, and I think at the end of the day, dude, if you don't like the sport, you don't like the sport. But stop projecting something for the sake of wanting to prove your point. You know, and I, I mean, obviously, everyone's gonna be like, "Well, aren't you kind of doing that? The, aren't you kind of doing the same thing?" Yeah, probably, but like. I mean, it's it's a free country, and I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it's a free country. But I think, I honestly, but the thing is though, like, I watch football, I watch soccer, I watch basketball, I watch baseball, I watch, I watch a lot of sports. So like, you know, like you can like multiple sports. You don't have to just like one sport. You don't have to just like football. You don't just have to like soccer. You don't just have to like baseball. You just you don't have to just like any. You don't have to like one specific sport. You can like multiple sports. It is okay. You're not gonna get shunned for for doing that. Um, so, so yeah. So I mean, just let live, let live, man. Live, let live. That's the other saying. That's, I think those are the two sayings that we should still be uh, living by. Is if you ain't got nothing nice to say, then don't say it. And also, just let others live their lives, bro. Like what, what, what does it bother you? Like what, what do, what, are, what is it that what they're doing? bothers you so much like at the end of the day man i there's things that that matter more to me and that is my family my well-being uh football soccer baseball it has no impact on any of those things unless i'm employed by 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 by, by, by one of those sports teams but i'm not so at the end of the day my family my life and my well-being that's what matters most like if 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 i'm not feeling well if my family doesn't feel well you know I'm gonna prioritize that. I, like no game is gonna be more important than my own life and family. Um, so, so I think like just 
Just just why why don't you watch the Super Bowl? You're criticizing it, so watch it. See see what everybody sees in it. See why people think it's harder to win the Super Bowl than than it is a World Cup. Like, don't try to expose people just for the sake of trying to build your clout, dude. Like, if you don't like, do you just don't like football because they're it's called football? Um, because you care about your football more than the other football. Like, like, just watch the game and tell me what, what you really think about it after watching the game. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my first football game, my first American football game was the Tennessee Titans and St. Louis Rams game. That was my first football game I ever watched. I never really watched football. I never cared. I knew about, I knew, I knew who Emmett Smith was. I knew who the Dallas Cowboys were, but I never really cared for football because I played soccer. I played soccer and I liked baseball. So those were the two sports I liked when I was a kid. But then when I watched my first football game, I was like, man, this is really fun. And, and you know, you know, Houston didn't have a football team. So, I, you know, I just watched whatever was available. And, that, you know, it was a lot of Cowboys games. And then I saw the Minnesota Vikings and I found out Randy Moss is that guy. Um, so, I, you know, that's how I got into football. And then finally the Houston Texans came. And I was like, all right, well, this is my team. And that's really how it all started for me for American football. But just, just, just you know, but I gave it a shot. Who knows? Maybe I would have watched that Super Bowl and went like, this game sucks. And then I would never watch football again. And I don't think I'd be one of these people that criticizes American football, though. Because also, my, my I was raised right by my parents, by my mom, more specifically. But, but yeah, that's all I got to say, man. That, that's all I have to say of that um just because i think that that was just very much stupid but uh, i want to give a shout out to the belly up sports uh media network man check out their website bellyupsports.com follow them on instagram and x at belly up media and at belly up sports also shout out to jose tez uh thanks for coming on to talk to cover this episode with me um you can check out goals tv man follow them on instagram at golz.tv once again at golz.tv and on the x at golz underscore tv once again golz underscore tv check out goals goals.tv as well golz.tv so you can see what they're building right now it is free to subscribe right now so go ahead and check it out big things are coming at goals tv go ahead and make sure you're on the know about it also shout out to roosevelt spencer he's the guy that makes the intros the outros for this podcast, he's also the namesake of the Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year Award. Um, follow him on Instagram at that guy dope. If you guys need some beat work done, hit him up once again on Instagram. That guy dope. Hit him a message that you need some beat work, and he'll take great care of you like he always does with us. But thank you so much for listening to episode 162. Hope you guys really enjoy it. Catch us next week for episode 163, where hopefully Edward is back. So take care, guys.